We may be scrambling here to put an episode out in the middle of the week, but that's just what needs to be done. Because you see, my friends, we've gone too long without an episode with all three of your boys here on air. But now it's happening. It's SummerSlam week. The SummerSlam is over. The G1 is over. We're here to talk about all the wrestling and all the other little goings on in our lives since um, the entire summer started when we were last on a show together. Uh, with me, as always, is my ever-dependable co-host, Paul Griffin. Like Bray Wyatt, Barry, we might go away, but we'll eventually come back. Eventually. And in, in, a, in a new but equally disappointing way. With a new cool mask to make you forget about all that old disappointing one. You know, the fat slovenly one. Which one, which one of us is that? Anyway, we'll leave that a hanging for <laughs> well, a while. Not Joe. Let me bury oh, myself. Probably. Well, it's, it's definitely between you and I, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, Joe is like, uh, he's like, he's when Bray Wyatt got skinny before he put the stupid mask on. That's, that's Joe. Joe Towner is here, by the way. I like to think of it as you and me as the very, you know, various Bray Wyatts. One, maybe one was Husky Harris. Just, you know, whacking our bellies together. In combat over who is the real one. Joe is maybe the the John Cone in between calling the action. Who? The ref. All the WWE ref are all in fitting and mostly these days. Mad. They watch. They watch WWE these days, right? Do you ever watch the wrestling these days? And the ref is more muscly than the wrestlers. It's a fucking backwards though it is. All the refs are all muscly men now. What happened when they're all old f- fuckers like Hebner and that? That was better. That was, that was a good place. Yeah, because now my eye is always c- caught to the... Re- not because I'm, you know, looking at them and that. But I'm not paying attention to the wrestlers because the refs so mostly. Hmm. Anyway. We're back. Anyway. We are back. Um, I'm Barry Murphy, by the way. Um, <laughs> we're back. I think they know who you are, Barry. Yeah, I've I've taken time out of my busy schedule getting ratioed endlessly on Twitter to um <laughs> to host that. this show. Um I've had like the longest two weeks of all time. Um uh, let's see, what was their first? Uh first people were were <laughs> outraged that I said you should always be sitting at a wrestling show and if you lie about preferring to stand then you're probably just trying to seem cool everyone hated that um, I agree for the record yeah I, I, I also agree we're old men if you're over 25 sit the fuck down all right? your knees can't take it all right? uh, then, then everyone got very annoyed when I said <laughs> if you if you are watching a foreign language wrestling broadcast and you choose to keep that commentary when there is an English option, you're a try-hard hipster. I, I, uh, I agree again. Everyone got very annoyed at that one. Very annoyed. And the funny thing is, I didn't even really believe that. That was a, that was a strongly, that was a joke because a lot, so much English commentary is terrible. That actually, that comment actually stemmed from me ridiculing the idea of watching 
Triple Mania with Matt Stryker commentary because, of course, it is so horrendous. And I absolutely 1,000% can understand taking the priority of the uh, of the Spanish commentary. But no, everyone everyone took that at face value and said very mean things to me about that one. That was nice. And then and then uh, uh, just this past weekend, right, I'm like a day late watching TakeOver. Like, no, like two days late. I was watching it uh, yesterday. Um, so I was two days late watching TakeOver. And... I said that Gargano versus Cole, spoilers for the part of the show where we talked about that, was like the final fight in episode three because it was such a short version. It was such a self-indulgent, overlong wank fest. Um, and then Johnny Gargano replies to me saying, I try my best, I'll try be better, or whatever the fuck he said. Uh, some shit about everyone in attendance loved it. Every, every shitty wrestler trope reply you've ever seen on Twitter about oh I tried so hard blah blah and the funny thing is I've been a fan of Johnny Gargano for like 10 years he's he if you were to ask me to make a wrestling he's probably in the top maybe five you know a huge Johnny Gargano. but of course he feels the need to, to jump in my mentions when he has like one match I dislike and then of course all the, the peons and the freaks and the 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 people role-playing his wife um uh decide <laughs> to to jump in jump in there as well and to be fair right the commentary people were being very mean. Everyone was being very mean to me about that. I don't know what set people off about that. I don't know if they thought I was being racist or what, but everyone was being very, very mean to me about the commentary thing. There was one or two people being mean about the, the Gargano thing, but most of them were just, oh my God, the most sycophantic. You and at Adam Cole Pro had the greatest match I've ever seen in wrestling history. You at Johnny Wrestling should be so proud of yourself. It's like, oh my God, get up. Get a fucking life, you people. <laughs> no, even better was the people. Okay, I think, you know, at whatever Gargano's Twitter is, is one thing. But the people who are going, don't listen to him, John. <laughs> like, like, they know. Uh, oh, listen, listen, uh, JG, uh, you don't want to <laughs> let this little uh, egg-headed freak from Ireland, you know, get you down. Um You know, oh, but just, just, and, and, and the annoying thing is then it's, it's like, because then Twitter basically becomes unusable for a couple of hours because you can't read what people you actually care about are sending you and all this other stuff. And I hate to mute the conversations because I'm sick of fans. I like to see what the people are saying. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, just a very long week. A very long week. And I stand. And I was so proud of that Star Wars comparison as well. I thought it was very clever. Well, which uh, was longer, Barry? Your week or that boring, boring NXT takeover made of it? Oh! oh! Not to spoil the bit where we talk about it later, but fuck me. I thought that when Shawn Michaels and Triple H had a 15-minute Hell in a Cell match, that that was boring. Ooh! Well, at least they didn't have a finish that made no fucking sense. Anyway, we'll get to that we'll get a little that. bit later. We'll get to that. Um, at the very least, at the very least, if there's, if there's something... Uh, 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 if something positive to come from that, it's that I didn't have... A, a a week that was much worse beyond that. That was that was probably the low light. Other than that, things were, were mostly fine. Um, uh, what about you, lads? What have you been up to in the weeks we've been off? Ooh, lots, lots and lots. Two birthdays I've attended. Ooh, uh, that's why I was unavailable uh, last Sunday. The first Sunday of August, I was because it was my grandmother's eighty fifth oh, birthday. So we're all at the house, all the kids and the grandkids and the great grandkids and all that. 
you know, chatting to cousins that I ain't known in a long time, talked to in a long time. But it was very nice. We had a little barbecue, made some food and that, and had a good old time. Weather wasn't the best, but it was nice. And then in more uh, personal news, I guess. Hello, new job alert. Another promotion, oh, yeah. you say. Do not mind if I do? What's that? Uh, eight promotions in eight years? Something like that? All right, no worries, lads. I'll do it. So I'm not a team lead anymore. That's that journey come to an end. One year, seven months later. Now, yeah. now I'm a service delivery specialist. Thank you very much. Don't mind if I do. Specializes in the delivery of service. Of the services. Yeah. Uh, you need any delivering? If you need them, give me a call and I'll do it. Get, get a specialist in. Do not get a generalist. No. No. A specialist is the coolest Is the coolest description as far as job descriptions go. Yeah. It don't look too bad in the CV. I'll tell you that much. It's Paul. He's the specialist. <laughs> it's my second specialist job. Because I was also... I was a uh, training specialist, and now I'm a service delivery specialist. So. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on. How comes you were specializing in ah. training, and now you're specializing in service delivery? You can't specialize oh. in two things, mate. Oh, no. Stop. Help. Yeah. Right. You ever, you ever picked a skill tree in a video game? You pick one side to go down, mate. Let's get the switchboard number for Paul's office. Yeah. <laughs> They've been hoodwinked. I'm doing like an Assassin's Creed where you can put your skill points to the various things and then reset them later and just put them to the oh, ones you like. Oh, he's respecking. So Paul has now lost all his memories about being able to train people. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know I am again training people because I'm the fucking specialist. The specialist sounds like a Jason Statham movie. It really does. Ooh. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I did an interview last Tuesday. Got the job on Wednesday. Oh, he's so, he's so special at it. I'm very very happy about it obviously um, so I think I'll, I'll be starting that probably next week moving to a new building Ooh. work with new people higher up the chain yeah very good very happy and that's pretty much it for me life guff wise uh, obviously football is back enjoy that you enjoy that Joe well, it wasn't too bad, was it, Paul? Um, the old 4-0 against the scum. Uh, well, uh, that's that's my dad's team, so yeah, it was very good. I enjoyed it immensely. Yeah. Oh, it was great. It was great. Um, not only that, but I, I put a little bit of money on Liverpool uh, to beat Norwich by oh. more than two goals. Nice, nice. And I put a little bit on Liverpool to beat Norwich by more than three goals. Oh, uh, except on a double. Except Liverpool half time. Uh, stop playing and let Norwich score a fucking oh, yeah, shite goal. And that cost me money. So, uh, fuck Liverpool. The shite bastards. Couldn't even win 4 0 like we did against Chelsea, against Norwich. So, who's really going to win the league? It's exactly. us. Exactly. Uh, happy as didn't win the league last season just for that. Cost me. Well, actually, I still made a profit based on the first bet. But I made only 50 cent, whereas I would have won 28 oh. euro. Oh, that's sure. Um, speaking of football, I forgot this year. I've been doing the Premier League fantasy football yeah. for about probably twelve years, yeah, maybe longer. 
completely forgot to do it this year until about 10 minutes before the first week deadline. All right. Uh, when I saw a tweet about it, so I quickly logged back in, did like an auto pick uh, for the team. So I didn't have time to like go through and pick all the players. Um, got it on with about three minutes to spare. Um, only thing is I picked a really shit name. I tried to do a Harry Maguire pun with like Harry Manu Ayer. Yeah. But it just looks like Harry Manure. Sure. It looks like I'm having a go at him, but you know, <laughs> which I would, which I would never do because he's brilliant. He's a legend. Uh, yeah, that's. Uh, I've noticed that. Listen about him. Our our little league we do, Siri P. Siri P. It's not showing the table properly. It's not showing me who's top of the league. So I have to click on it. Oh. Individually, I had a ooh. My bishop had a good week. I think I'm winning so far. Oh no. Tom Banyard is joint with me. 85 first week. Not too bad. Uh, I did I did make the bold decision, though, to start with triple captain in week one rather than wait for a double week like everyone else does. Because last last year, when I used my triple captain, I used it on Pogba that one time he got sent off and I got, like, minus two points. You idiot. So I got, like, 36 for Salah. That was all right. Um, but yeah, otherwise it was a very nice little weekend of football. What else have you been up to, Joe? Well, I keep getting emails from an estate agent called Kevin Owen. And every time <laughs> I see them, I go, hang on, Kevin Owen. And I go, oh no, it's this estate agent called Kevin <laughs> Owen. <laughs> so um, if you've got any hilarious uh, real life people who have the same or similar names as wrestlers, uh, email in at com or tweet us. Have you met a, uh, I don't know, Tito Santano or a, <laughs> a, a Coco G. Ware, um, Dick Flair? It, you know, funny ones like that. Uh, be good. Um, so that, that's the thing. I had a haircut this week, finally. Ooh. I'm really bad at getting it. How often do you lads get your haircut? Ooh, probably three times a year. Yeah, very I go, I go, I go much more often than that. Um, really? Although it's funny we're having this conversation now. I'm, I'm looking quite untamed at the moment. I, I, my beard is currently the longest it's ever been in in my entire life. It's, it's, it's still obviously not quite long, quite that long because <laughs> I'm sort of a pathetic boy in that regard. Um, but yeah, I usually go every, um, maybe every two to three months, I guess. Okay. Um, but I keep it, I keep it fairly short. Um, yeah. I go with a very basic, very boring short back and sides that I like to keep topped up. Yeah, see, I try. I've been trying to go every two months because otherwise it just gets too long and starts to look a bit shit. But I'm <laughs> just really bad at it because I can't be bothered to go. Yeah, and like have to make small talk with the barber and then sit there awkwardly staring at yourself in the mirror while a man <laughs> cuts your hair for 25 minutes. Um. But I got it done. Finally got it done. It's nice and short, so I won't have to go back for a while. What's good is he also does the eyebrows. Uh, gives them a little... Oh, the... Little with the old buzzer. Yeah, I've had that done. It's worryingly, though, every year more hair seems to come off the eyebrows. Yeah, I had Natty um, give my eyebrows a trim with scissors. Oh, scissors? Garden mm. shoes. <laughs> them caterpillars. Them caterpillars. Oh. That is that's that's the one thing um, 
Something I miss in, in, in single life is, is uh, having someone to pluck my wild, disgusting eyebrows. Um, so I, I only recently, uh, speaking about getting the, the eyebrows done at the, at the, the, the uh, barber, I only recently started asking my barber to, to trim the old beard. Pubes? Oh, beard. Uh, no, they don't do the, they don't do pubes. Uh, they do them, but <laughs> not for me specifically. They're just like, they, these are too wild. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it's nice getting the, because I'm, I'm uh, as well as terrible at growing a beard, I'm also terrible at like maintaining it. I do such a terrible job of like trimming it that I fuck it up and I'm like, well, the whole thing has to come off now because I've done this arse ways. Um, yeah, next time, I, next time I get the haircut, you know, I'll go in. I'm like, I don't want to shave because I don't think I, I don't like the baby face, but just, uh, just a couple, about an inch or so off me there, Chief, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah. It's tougher with the beard because it's a lot more maintenance hair. Yeah, you can just kind of let go for a month or two. Beard, you've got to be on it every couple of days. You've got to be trimming it. You've got to be checking on it so it doesn't go uneven. Yeah, well, uh, I just have an electric, you know, trimmer that I, I keep it short. So I never have a big beard, uh, but I also never have no beard. So I don't have to, you know, you don't have to alternate between them. Just get a little electric uh, plug-in thingy and, and there you go. Sword. Although, that being said, I've let my neck beard get very hairy lately. <laughs> One of them. Oh, no. yeah. oh, God. Yeah. Just get, get yourself a Johnny Wrestling t shirt. <laughs> okay. Let me, at Chase, at, Chase at the, the Barry Lad. Um, what else? Um, I bought a VR headset uh, as well. Oh, what kind of one? A cheap one. <laughs> it was. 35 quid on Amazon, but it had some very good reviews right. um, for okay. that that level of headset. So I thought I'd, I'd uh, splash out. I got a voucher from work because we have this like um, peer bonus thing where you can give people, uh, recommend people for a bonus. Someone very kindly nominated me. Got a £50 Amazon voucher. Thought I'll just waste this on something spurious shite that I will never use. Bought a VR headset. Um, I think you've got one of these, haven't you, Barry? Uh, yeah, I got the uh, the PlayStation one. Is it like a good one? Uh, no. Like, it's quite. Of, uh, it's quite good. Well, it's good in the sense that it's like high end, quote unquote. It's like it was like it's like four hundred quid new, but I got mine Ooh. for two hundred. Hey, Paul, how often have you used yours, Paul? Uh, a couple of times. Because my, my, my thing is like, there's obviously we talked about Astro Boy last year and stuff like that, but to me. Yeah. Uh, the, the the tracking on the move controllers is just too horrible. It's just so fucking bad. Um, and so it, any anything that's beyond the level of Astro Boy, which is sitting down holding a controller, mm. anything beyond that is basically unplayable. I found like it's it's shit. I mean those controllers are shit. Um, and I think it's a great it's a great thing to stick on your head and go, oh, okay, I get VR now. But I mean, I'm just glad I got it heavily discounted. But anyway, Joe. Tell us about this one you got. Um, it's not bad. I mean, you know, it's, it's a cheap one, so you only get what you pay for. I spent about um, 20 minutes watching, like, roller coaster videos. and I love doing that. And, like, yeah, someone, like, skydiving in Dubai, which was quite cool. Um, then, up to be honest, after playing with it for about half an hour, I did start to feel quite sick <laughs> from the motion sickness. Um, so I had to put it, put it away. 
haven't got it back out since. I don't know what else to kind of what you, what kind of content is out there. I mean, it's it's fun to do the the roller coasters and that kind of stuff, but after a while, I suppose I could try some games with it, but I don't know what's um, what's actually going to work as well. But I might I'll, I'll investigate a bit further. Yeah, I, I think I think for, for the price you paid, I mean, it, it, I've heard a lot of good things. Let's think about VR is now getting kind of sophisticated enough that people are able to make like cheaper versions that are not garbage. I mean, so yeah. you can you can get stuff like that where you stick it on, and you're like, oh, I get it, I get to do the, the virtual uh, you know roller coaster thing, and, and and that's cool. I think the problem yeah. with the PSVR one that I have is that it's it's splitting the difference too much in that it's expensive and it's trying to do, well, it's kind it's more expensive than those ones, but it's not. It's not actually high end enough in, in the sense of you can get ones for like the PC that are like eight hundred quid, and they come with very fancy space age controllers, and they're very yeah. immersed. Uh, and the PlayStation One, like the controllers you use for the PlayStation One, they're actually PS3 motion controllers mm-hmm. uh, from over a decade ago, and they just control terribly. Uh, but that's that's a whole other thing. But yeah, you know, I I, I think. Uh, in terms of what else you can do with, with with that one, I mean, there's a ton of companies, including WWE, who, who who kind of put out some free VR experiences. It's a very big, you know, um, I think there's actually quite a bit of, of free stuff out there, mm. but it's, it's all kind of in the vein of that roller coaster thing. It's very much, here's a, here's a, a you know, an exciting short video where you yeah. can feel you're in that space for a little while. That's, that's essentially it. Yeah. And those, those are quite fun, but I couldn't, you couldn't really see yourself using it for like a long term, like, you know, if they did stream WrestleMania in VR or something, you're not going to sit there for six fucking hours with that thing no. strapped to your sweaty head uh, watching that because you'd probably pass out. Um, but it's, yeah. it's fun, and I look, I kind of look forward to when they perfect it a bit more and they the top-end ones get a little bit cheaper. Yeah. I think could, then it could be really be quite a kind of immersive, interesting sort of gadget. Um, I was actually thinking, I haven't really had the cash to put aside for it, but like this upcoming Black Friday, if there's one, if there's literally one thing, I, I don't think I've ever actually bought anything on Black Friday. If there's one thing I want to keep an eye out for, though, uh, Oculus, who are kind of the, they are the, the boys who made VR popular and accessible these last few years, basically, uh, they, put, they just put out a 400 US dollar thing that's standalone so you don't need to put your phone in it you don't need to put your pc in it but it's approximating their 800 dollars pc headset and the reviews for it are pretty good and it's basically uh it seems like it's it's crossing that next front frontier in the sense of here's a headset that's high end but you don't hook it up to anything else like a playstation you just put it on and it's a bit pricey, but you're getting a full VR experience, and it comes without wires. So you're not, you're not, you know, the, the PlayStation 4 has a monstrosity of a of a breakout box that you have to connect to it. So that's if I if I see that on a good deal, I am I, I would be tempted. Because the thing is, even with the even with the the problems I have with the PlayStation one, VR is cool. Like VR works as well. Like it's not like it's not like uh, you know. Um, 3d movies or 3d dvd players all this other shit where you're like this is this is just shit this is just shit that they're they're that that's uh, overhyped and it's just kind of marketing like you the, the vr stuff works these days it's it's legitimately quite impressive when it works um so i i want i, want, I certainly want to stick in that space and and, and uh, try out more of it yeah cool. that was almost uh, like a proper little review segment we just did there 
That was good, yeah. This is not the normal sh- bollocks. Let's get, back. <laughs> Let's get back to that. Let's get back to that. Anything else on the old life golf before we uh, soldier on here? I think that's it. Good stuff. Uh, do we want to do a little bit of telegolf? Yes, please. All right. Uh, oh, excuse me. Um, so, ha- just out of curiosity, I have not started it yet. Anyone, anyone up to date and going to watch Glow? I will eventually watch it. I haven't started it yet. I think I, was, I didn't even finish season one. Yeah, okay. me neither. Wasn't, wasn't Fair funny. enough. I, I, I'm, I, I, I'm still hearing good things about it continually. Yeah, and I heard that new season's good as well. Um, I, I've, I was very slow to get through season two. I thought it was, it was in the same ballpark as one. But uh, but yeah, it's good. It's, I think it's a solid watch. I don't think it's an essential watch. Um, but yeah, I'll get to that at some point. Fair enough. Um, I uh, on the subject of Netflix originals, I'm watching Stranger Things season three. Mm. Um, uh, either of you boys, it started or finished or watched any of that? Not not yet. I think I just finished season one. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm about halfway through season three. I'm having I've. There were bits of season two I didn't like, but generally I thought it was in the same ballpark of quality as one. I've heard people say that this third one's like maybe the best they've done yet, and it's really great. It's a return to form. I think all three seasons of this show are more or less the same level of watchable but unremarkable television um, uh, that Netflix has ever produced. It really is just the enjoyment I get out of this show is it's just fun in that stylized 80s um uh you know kind of nostalgia trip yeah. and the homage to all the sci-fi i think it's it's so unmemorable and so unremarkable as a as a unique show like the things that are unique about it i.e its original characters and stuff like that i i wish i wish this show had a, a previously on recap because i feel like i first of all i'm never compelled enough to binge it and that's going back to season one i've never been like oh one more episode i gotta tear through it all oh, my weekend's gone i watched all the stranger things i've never been like that with this show um, and same again with, with season three. It came out like a month ago. I'm about halfway through it, and every time I, I watch, I'm like, oh, where where are they? Who where where is this kid? Why does he care about it? You know, it's it's weird because it's like it's like a fucking phenomenon. It is like one of the most popular things Netflix has ever done. And I watch it, and again, it, this isn't me shitting on it because I'm still I'm still watching it. I think it's I think it's it's so it's, it's post this opinion on Twitter, please, Barry. No, absolutely not. No, no, I Keep I, I just don't. Uh, yeah, uh, David Harbour will jump in my reply who's telling me to fuck myself. Um, <laughs> no, he'll say that he's China's best. And he'll yeah, we don't want writers to be like, wow, sorry, I guess my career didn't deserve to bounce back. Thanks, Barry. Um, but, uh, yeah, but the thing is, I do watch it. it it's like, it's like, it's like, what's that term? It is like, it's like bubblegum. You know what I mean? It's just... Yeah. It's just it's something to watch, and it's of a decent quality, and the production quality is great, and the and the performances are good, and there's a chuckle or two here or there. But I I really don't get why this is like one of the the, the big phenomenon of the Netflix age. But uh, but you know I think if you're into it, you'll you'll get something out of season three for sure. Yeah, I I did really like the first season, but then I did binge it as well, which is unusual for me because we watched it we watched it while we were in Italy. And uh, yeah, I, I found I found it very compelling, but in my mind, it's just like that one season is is kind of exists as a as a condensed unit. I I have no context for how season two would go or how they would really get a season two 
out of how season one ended, but maybe that paints your, your impression of it a bit. If if it's not if it wasn't extended satisfactorily, because I I when I think of that like one story of the boy who goes missing and the, the rest of the kids trying to find him, like I, I I enjoyed it a lot. I I remember when when the first season finished, there was a obviously there was that big thing of oh I wonder if they'll do more and then they renewed it and then the the big discussion of the time was will it they didn't confirm if it would be an anthology or if they'd revisit with these same characters. And now here we are several years later, and now they've put out a third season with the same characters, I guess because they were so popular and well-liked. I mean, that's yeah. fine. But uh, it's funny actually hearing you hearing you mention that reminded me that, oh yeah, once upon a time, this was not a thing where where these characters were going to return and we were going to watch, which I guess now de facto we are watching them grow up on TV in that way. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be interested to hear what you think of of, of season season two. Definitely has a, a a pretty significant, pretty polarizing episode late on. Right. That um, it's just to get your take. I don't think you'll like it at well, all. Well, let's let's be happy that we have something like Stranger Things in a world where that new Seth Rogen film, Good Boys, is coming out. Yeah. <laughs> what a um, heap of shite that looks like with that little yeah. cunt Jacob Tremblay and his little <laughs> cunt face. Oh my god! I hate it. <laughs> And now you're talking about a child. Uh, Star of Academy Award winning or Room. nominated film Room, which we all love. Yeah, um, I, I love that film. To be fair, he has been nothing good since, so I'm starting to think the little shit's overrated, if I'm being honest. I mean, oh my god, his little face in that movie. Cast literally anyone else. Cause oh, he's... It's not his fault. It's not his fault. It's not his fault, but, you know, maybe, maybe Stranger Things isn't that bad after all. It's true. It is a. It is a. Uh, it's homaging eighties family movies and and horror and, and and sci-fi in a kind of on the nose way. But also, it's also just doing that thing really well. Where it's some kids on an adventure, and you know the good guys usually win. And you know, um, it's it's yeah. Good Boys feels like I haven't watched it yet. I am going to go see it because I see you know most big releases. But it, it it looks like a movie that is like fifteen years too late. It's like we've had well, South Park obviously was fucking twenty years ago, uh, doing basically this same the same humor. But also like role models and stuff like that. Like this is this has been done. This has so been done. Um, and it feels weird that they're coming out the same year where like Booksmart came out. And like Booksmart was like, and I felt like it was taking like the super bad formula and really doing something fresh with it. And now this thing is like, we're gonna go more juvenile with it, and we're gonna make the heroes kids so that it's naughtier. And we put you Jacob know? Tremblay in it. What is your what is your beat? I agree, the movie looks bad. What uh, is your just, beat with Jacob Tremblay? He's just a little do-goody nan kid. Oh, I just can't stand it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, thank you. That's all right. Anyway, let's. I'm going to keep going through TV here because we have about 70 movies to talk about and about 80 hours of wrestling. Yeah. Um. Uh. So I started uh, Line of Duty. Have either of you seen that? Oh yeah. That oh, that yeah. video game in it where you shoot terrorists and that. It's 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 about bent coppers, mate. It's oh. it's uh bent it's like coppers. It's like a BBC doing the shield. All right, okay. All right, do the accent. Which one of them is Roman Reigns then? The Norman Ireland one. No, no, the Michael Chiklis shield. (laughs) Uh, I understood. 
the rest of them. But... You're going to say bent coppers, you've got to do the accent. I ain't talking to you, filth. No, that, he's not doing it. The main, the chief copper. Oh, I can't do his accent. Bent oh, coppers, uh, so they are. Yeah, that's close enough. Oh, the Irish guy! I thought you were talking about like uh, the the black guy. Uh, mm. Yeah, that Irish guy is extremely Irish. Yeah, I think he he becomes more well. He doesn't become more Irish, but they they play up his catchphrases in the later seasons. It's like, like it's like always every episode he says bent coppers. And if you want yeah. to stop, if you want to stop bent coppers, Eddie. You need to rustle a few uh, bushes. That's, that's not as good as mine. <laughs> Anyway, I'm about five episodes in. It's uh, it's really great. It's on Netflix, if, or it's on uh, UK and Ireland Netflix. I don't know about international. Um, it's really fantastic. It it fucking moves fast. Like holy shit, there's so much yeah. stuff going on in that first episode, which is good. That's my kind of TV. Um, yeah, I'm on episode five. It's all kicking off, and I really love it. Um, uh, I also one top of binging. I absolutely ripped. Absolutely ripped through the boys on amazon prime uh, that's the first prime original i've ever watched um uh paul uh, did you watch uh, did you watch your little jeremy clarkson show on prime or did you pirate it well you asked me that for in the podcast okay well disregard that question <laughs> <laughs> i'll simply say I, I don't have amazon prime if that's your question okay. <laughs> whatever means you watched it watch it through you should watch the boys okay um, the boys is tremendous, absolutely tremendous. <laughs> Why did you sound like Conan when you said that? What? Tremendous boom. <laughs> uh, I haven't watched Conan in like 10 years, I don't know. <laughs> it um, exactly like him for a second there. Uh, the boys is fantastic. It's it's I I read like the first volume of the book like years and years and years ago. Um, it's basically a, a, a sort of uh, like uh, a subversion of the superhero stuff, but Way more. I was thinking about this actually once I finished it. I was trying to think what's a comparable satire of of superhero stuff, and I don't think there is a single one that is this kind of like scathing and has this level of distaste for uh, for the the material it's satirizing. Like the nearest thing I could think of, uh, you know, that's on like that's well known is Deadpool and even that like especially that second Deadpool movie that is just a superhero film where they're nodding and winking a bit like yeah. this is this is a proper like uh, skewering of of all the traditional ideas you know you kind of have about about superheroes if you're not familiar it's based on a on a, a Garth Ennis comic book from about 14 years ago 13 14 years ago um, and it's basically about these kind of this ragtag team of regular humans who are uh, who come together to try and take down superheroes? It's set in a world where superheroes are real, and uh, they—it's uh, a very, very cynical uh, world and story. Uh, they're all Superman-esque figures, where they're well-regarded icons of, of of America. But of course, they're horribly corrupt, and and they're bent coppers, if you will, um, of the superhero world. And so they are, 
you're, you're basically rooting for them to get their comeuppance, but obviously they are superheroes, and so they have all the advantages. Uh, that book came out, in, uh, the, that comic uh, started in 2006. Uh, this is obviously in 2019, so they, they've changed quite a bit, and they lean way into the like mega corporations being invested in superhero things. So there's just tons and tons of very unsubtle, like, you know, Disney kind of dystopian future. Uh, uh, it's, it's, it's set in current day, but it's very dystopian in how it presents, like, corporations being in the superhero business. It's fucking fantastic. It's got a bunch of great performances, including Carl Urban as the main character. He rules in this show. Uh, it's It's got great action. Uh, even though it's satirizing superheroes and it is kind of skewering them in a lot of ways, it's also telling like a much more compelling superhero story in the sense of what if they were our souls than Batman v Superman specifically. Like it feels like it's telling it's even though it's making fun of superheroes, it's still telling like a good superhero story in its own twisted way. Um, uh, you know, it's it's great. Uh, so I would suggest you go out of your way to watch that. I think you'll really like it. Uh, it is eight episodes, and they're an hour long each. It does not outstay its welcome. It's all action, uh, not literally. I just mean it's all it's all business, no time wasting. Uh, and I think I think you boys would both thoroughly enjoy that. So that's my that's my big recommendation for the week. Hmm. Well, I, I started watching the first episode. Um, I didn't have time to kind of watch it all, but I did. It looked really really good, so I am keen to watch the whole thing. Um, yeah, because it, it does look like a very Interesting. How many episodes? Eight. That's not too bad. Yes, manageable. And it's uh, it's uh, one of the my favorite performance of the whole show is by this world's equivalent of of, of uh, Captain America or Superman uh, called Homelander, and he's played by Anthony Starr, who is the main character, who's the main actor in another show I raved about this year called Banshee, uh, uh, and he's really fantastic in it. Um, the whole show in particular, I mentioned uh, Batman v Superman, and that was actually uh, Red Letter Media did a video about this show where they praised it heavily, and, and they mentioned Batman v Superman as well. The whole show feels very, what if someone took Zack Snyder's ideas but wasn't a dumbass and made them good? Because <laughs> um, uh, it even has his kind of, it's a very CG heavy show, and it even has his very oversaturated style. But again, it it looks way better, way better than his trillion dollar movies look. But um, but yeah, I think I think you, I hope you guys can can get to that soon. Um, right. I, yeah, that's my that's my TV for the week. I've been watching, uh, not really on TV, so it's not really telly guff, but I'll stick it here anyway. I think I, th- I mentioned that on the last podcast I did with Joe, but uh, on the Geo Wizard YouTube channel. This man who is walking across Wales in a straight line. Episode four is out today. I'm very when, excited. When you, when you say Wales, you the, mean the country? The country, yeah. Not, not, uh, not the plural. Yeah. Sea creatures. No. Um, so episode four out today. It's very, very, very weirdly compelling. Uh, it's just this man on his own. With a GoPro, and he set himself the challenge to walk across country in a straight line. So he's walking through farms, he's walking through fields, and it's very, very tense. Will a farmer see him? Will he get through this hedgerow? I don't know why, but it works. Uh, it's one of those videos that's kind of, or one of those channels that's kind of gone viral as a result of being in the like everyone's recommended videos. 
But if you haven't seen it, go to GeoWizard on YouTube and just watch the first one. It's only half an hour long. And I guarantee you will be enwrapped and you will watch all four episodes that are available back to back. What's what's that name again? That's GeoWizard. I have never heard of this, but yeah. it sounds interesting. I attempted to cross an entire country in a straight line. Part four is just out today. It's it's I don't know what it is. It's it's has that kind of you know brings out the wanderlust in me and go, geez, I'd love to do that kind of thing if I wasn't so lazy and unpre- <laughs> unprepared and unable to do it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know why. It just it it's just really really interesting. Like I say, if anyone listening has half an hour to spare and hasn't like heard of this. Give that first just thirty minutes a watch, and I I I found it more compelling than most films or TV shows I watched this year. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, as I say, I'll be watching the fourth episode of that today. It, it comes out every Tuesday, I think, or every Monday. A little little half hour segment. I'm I'm sure it's only going to be maybe six or seven in total, and then he's going to do a different adventure. Oh, it's going to be great. Wales not that big. No, Wales very small, in fact, and he's walking like horizontally across it, not north to south. Hmm, fair enough. Horizontally, uh, not really horizontal. Yeah, east to west, I guess. Horizontal on a map. All right, um, that's that's a, that's an interesting way. So that's that's two big strong recommendations there on the old telegoff. Yeah. Um, a, all right. So this might be the go. biggest movie goff we've ever done. I'm gonna go very quick through mine because because they're not. I, I don't have anything major to say. Uh, I rewatched a little film you might have heard of called The Back to the Future. Oh, um, good movie. Uh, it's, which good film you might you might argue you might say these days. Uh, uh, yeah, I rewatched it. It's still fucking great. It gets better every time you watch it. I can't believe it took me like how old was I? I think I was like twenty. It was like four. To, I don't know. It took me way too long to watch it. But yeah, great in a rewatch. Thumbs up on that. Uh, I watched Hobbs and Shaw, which is the new Fast and Furious spinoff. Um, uh, total shite. Uh, <laughs> but Barry like, has I, made $300 million at the box office, mate. So. Uh, well, so what do I know? Prove it wrong again, Barry. Idiot. Uh, have you seen Have artist. you seen all of the Fast and Furious, Barry? I have no seen any of them, except the first, except the cool ones, which is one and two. Um, Back when they were weird, uh, car modding, uh, tragic mid-2000 boy movies, which is when I liked them. It was like Uh, a Pin My Ride spinoff or something. It was, was, you know, it was Need for Speed Underground and all that. Um, The thing is, right, I, I know what they then became. I'm all about the big action movies. I'm all about the big crazy action. This movie does have some outrageous action scenes and some of them are, are fun but first of all uh they've all been spoiled in the in the film's crazy advertising campaign which has been massive uh, there is there is literally no, no surprises in the action stakes in, in this movie you've seen it all already and everything that's not an action scene is embarrassing um it's it's horribly acted it's horribly written uh, uh Ooh, it's, it's a movie with it's, the rock in yeah, uh, Idris, El- Idris Elba, like, fucking hell. I don't know what that guy... I, I, has anyone has anyone had more disappoint, disappointing second, third, fourth, fifth albums and so on than Idris Elba after The Wire? Fucking hell. Um, but yeah, really, really, really shit. Um, <laughs> well, I, I gave it two stars. So like I said, the, the action is impressive. But again, you, you've seen it all. I can't imagine uh, what it would be like going from Fast and Furious and Too Fast, Too Furious to... Hobbs and Shaw, with no context for what happens in the middle. But the thing is, you, you, 
yeah, the other the other thing as well is that it's it it feels very standalone. They basically they give you no, a but I, I don't even mean storyline wise. I mean, I watched I think the first eight in a in a, I don't know three months in in, in a yeah. spell, and you can at least kind of gradually get used to the the shift in tone. But to go straight oh. from the first two to this is must be. But uh, yeah, but I, I but I. I, I think we're saying the same thing because I, I don't mean story ways either. I mean totally. Okay. It, sure, sure. It, you might as well you might as well call it you know anything else. Like it's 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 absolutely one hundred percent. Because even by the standard, my understanding of those previous ones with the rock in it's it's a, it's another level above again. Because Idris Elba in this movie is is effectively a supervillain. He is this movie is like it's like okay, imagine the current the new trilogy of Mission Impossible. Yeah. Uh, but like you know that last one, that really excellent last one where they had Fallout. they they amped up all the stunts, but they also had that really great story and espionage and betrayal. Uh, take all that out. Just take all that <laughs> shit out. Uh, uh, take all that cool, clever stuff out there. Take all those interesting characters and performance. Take all that shit out there and take and cast Idris Elba as like the most forgettable MCU villain uh, ever, like a like an Ant Man tier villain where he's just man with powerful arms. Um, and and call that a movie. I mean, it, it is fitting the difference between mm. Mission Impossible and Marvel with none of the best aspects of either. Right, but does Roman Reigns go ooh-ah in it? He does go ooh-ah in it. He does do a spear. The Rock does a Samoan drop. Um, this is more so than NXT's entire existence. This movie is the most pathetic vanity project I've ever seen ever. The Rock... <laughs> the Rock... The Rock wow. plays himself, okay? Uh, his character is like a weightlifting, uh, uh, gigantic muscle guy who eats big stack of pancakes on his day off. But, just in case you had preconceived notions about him, um, he's also a loving father to his daughter. And also, he reads Nietzsche. Literally reads Nietzsche in the film. But, <laughs> um, and then, he's like, hmm, well, there's another thing I don't forget other than loving my daughter and eating big cheat meals, and that's my roots in Samoa. And then the entire, like, final act of the film is set in Samoa where he gets to, like, like it is just, it's just The Rock. It is just The Rock. Like, he is he is having his, his um, you know, when Gervais gave up trying to create characters, it's like, okay, well, Andy Millman's basically just all my characteristics put onto a fictional character. That is The Rock in this movie. It is fucking hilarious. And of course, and of course, like, you know, he talks like him. They do the exact same humor. Like, there's a scene, there is, of course, for the 15th time in The Rock's Hollywood career, there's a scene where he references the eyebrow. I mean, it's, it's fucking tragic. It's like, oh my God, come up with something new. Um, and I noticed his production company is like top build during the credits as well. So this actually, this is a big, this is a big rock vehicle as if he needed it. But, uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that's Hobbs and Shaw. Do not bother going to see it. Uh, and the last thing I saw much better. Uh, I saw what we do in the shadows, hmm. the uh, Taiki Watiti uh, mockumentary uh, vampire comedy thing from New Zealand from about 2014. And it was lovely. It's very funny. It's very charming. I am going to seek out that TV show that started this year, which is a sequel to it. Uh, it's great. I think you would both like it if you haven't already seen it. I haven't. Uh, it's great. I think you'd like it quite a bit. Uh, that's that's hmm. my that's my movie off. All right. I do need to watch Hobbs and Shaw though, um, as it's oh, as it's God. now the only film starring The Rock that I've never seen, and I need, I need oh, to keep myself topped true. up on that. Um, that's why I need to see Toy Story Four. Yeah, keep the old Tom Hanks meter full. Um, I will say to people who are a bit on the fence about uh, Hobbs and Shaw, 
maybe just watch Fast and Furious 7 again, the best one, where The Rock has his arm in a cast. I think that's 7. And he is so muscly that he breaks the cast with his muscles and says, Daddy's got to go to work. You'd think maybe the doctors would have uh, fitted it on properly. Uh, well, he see Joe too muscly though. No, but that, uh, no. Yeah, I think they would have accounted for that. Oh, tell you, I, I don't think I've popped at a film as much since watching that one for the first time. Oh man, oh. I I I will I will I I bought the box set ages ago. I am going to go through all that. Uh, five, six, and seven are probably my three favorites in reverse order. I think seven's the best, then six, then five. So. If you have the box set, just start with five, <laughs> to be honest, because uh, three people love for some inexplicable reason I don't get. Uh, four is kind of boring, and then five is when The Rock starts being in it. So just start at five and watch seven. Skip eight, because it's probably the worst one, and uh, you'll have a good old time with that trilogy. Uh, sorry I spoiled the bit where The Rock breaks a cast with his arm. Uh, that's probably the best bit. I've had that spoiled already, that's fine. Oh, man, it's so good. Anyway. That's when, oh, Rock, that's, that, that's when The Rock used to be cool. Before he was like, well, we can't have that big gorilla die because people come to my movies to have a good time. Whatever the fuck that means. Batista's right. You're not an actor. You're a fraud, The Rock. At The Rock. I'll have him tweet back to me going, look, I'm fucking trying, lad. Um, trying. <laughs> <laughs> the Rock's trying, brother. Um, all right, I watched a couple of movies. I'll quickly go through them as well. Uh, some of them are rewatches. Uh, I rewatched uh, Jackass the movie for probably the fifteenth time. Uh, that to me is like my bubblegum film. That if I'm just in a lazy mood, I don't want to commit to a movie. I'll watch like the first half an hour of Jackass or like Jackass three or something because it's very easy to just turn on and turn off whenever you feel like. Um, I rewatched Anima on Netflix that. Paul Thomas Anderson, Tom York thing. Uh, still my favorite oh. of the year, even though it's only 15 minutes long. Definitely worth a watch. Really weird. Really great. Uh, I watched Source Code again. The uh, Duncan Jones follow-up to Moon with Jake Gyllenhaal on the train as a man who relives the same eight minutes and has to find out who on the train is a bomber trying to Set up a terrorist attack. Really good. Um, I probably didn't enjoy it quite as much as I did the first few watches. I think it's probably my third or fourth watch of it. But it's definitely a very fun movie. It's maybe not quite as smart as I remember it being. Especially like after something like Moon, which is super, super good. Uh, he then went on to make that Warcraft film that wasn't very good. Oh, yeah. Uh, so those were my, were my rewatches. I finished watching The Game, the David Fincher, Michael Douglas oh, film. Yeah. I did quite enjoy it. I thought it was very fun. Um, I think the my, the main criticism I would have of it is kind of something similar to Total Recall, but in Total Recall, it, I think it works in its favor, and in this one, I think kind of worked against it. Is the the premise of the movie is that Michael Douglas gets uh you know for his birthday from his brother, who's played by uh, Sean Penn, uh, an invitation to this to this game, and he doesn't know when it begins or what it is. And so, from that point, his life starts going a bit crazy, and you as a viewer are kind of asking yourself, you know, is this real, or is this, or is this the game? And uh, I just found that I, I kind of, in my own head, got sucked into the thought that, well, 
everything is just the game and so that kind of took a, quite a lot of the tension in the movie away from me um whereas in total recall even at the end of the movie you, you're still asking yourself was that real or was that um you know the virtual reality holiday thing that was being sold so i think in the game towards the end i think it would have been worked better if it wasn't revealed what of it was real what if it wasn't um but nevertheless still a very you know fun movie if um not quite fincher's best uh i did bite the bullet and i watched that new lion king the new one oh uh yeah all of our fears are pretty much confirmed uh it's virtually identical to the cartoon original um with almost everything not as good and I don't want to be the person who will say that purely out of nostalgia or purely out of fondness for the original. It's like, obviously the biggest problem is it looks great, but all of the characters can't emote. They have no expressions, and so the film has just this blandness to it. Uh, the songs are all a bit rubbish because they're sung in a very slight R&B style where... A lot of warbling, let's say. Uh, it really turned me off. Um, Seth Rogen, God bless him, is one of those... You know, lot, lot, a lot of people say they can't sing, but everyone can really sing. But Seth Rogen is one of those people who actually can't sing. Um, John Oliver is rubbish in it. Uh, on paper, Donald Glover and Beyonce sounds like a good casting. Uh, yeah. they, they are both rubbish in it and sound like they couldn't give a shite. Uh, Beyonce especially. Um, and yeah, apart from that, it is just exactly the same. Uh, even the shot where like, uh, you know, Mufasa's in the in the canyon and Simba's up on the the ledge and has that kind of zoom out while he like screams. That exact same shot is in the new one. Exactly the same. I, I saw that. It, it was rough handheld footage from the cinema, but I saw that uh, when the film came out. I was like, that is crazy. I mean, it's it's um, if it wasn't the same company, you'd almost say it was just plagiarized. Circle of Life yeah. as well. Circle of Life is like shot for shot the same, and it's like Jeez. put some effort in and do something different. There's one bit in it that works, that's done differently. Is obviously because of the restrictions of what they have with the characters, what they can do with the real life uh, art style. Uh. What do you want me to do? Dress and drag and do the hula is not present in the 2019 Lion King. Uh, there's another joke that replaces that, which, to be fair, is very funny. Um, but apart from that, it was a bland, forgettable, poorly performed copy-paste of the far superior original. So there you go. So avoid that. Just watch the old one again. Way better. Yeah. I, I didn't notice any... Like I saw, so I saw Aladdin and Dumbo, yeah. and I didn't see. I didn't seem extremely directly. Well, actually, no, Aladdin did. Aladdin was very, very similar, um, but nothing as on the nose as, as some of that Lion King stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I, just, I just don't get it. Um, uh, yeah, it's 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 unfortunate that this is like rather than new animation studios, you know, taking these properties and doing really exciting things with them. This. Uh, 
CGI approach is, is it's really weird at some point but it's not even the CGI approach I mean I think we've talked on this before about like why is why is that art style the be all end all and it's obviously because of the money that they generate but um, like it's almost it almost wasn't even a point like a remake it was just a retexture because you know? <laughs> it was so just the same um, yeah I will say bad in almost every way um I watched Fighting with My Family finally, as I mentioned earlier. Oh, yeah. With The Rock. Um, which was the only rock film that I was missing since it came out. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. Eee. I thought it was really great. Um, I, yeah, I, I think Steve Merchant kind of nailed, nailed it tonally and kind of married together the humor, but also that kind of feel-good UK movie and it worked pretty much all over for me i was able to kind of take my wwe wwe uh smart hat off for a second and you know suspend my disbelief in terms of like well that's not how nxt exactly works and blah blah, blah. and i was able to just go along with it not necessarily you know turning your brain off but in in the world of the movie everything that happened story-wise worked for me uh performances were great across the board i thought um, and yeah, I really I didn't have any problem with it at all. I thought it was really, really, really great. Definitely worth a watch, um, especially for WWE fans. And I think even for people who aren't huge WWE fans, I think Natty really liked it as well. Mm-hmm. Fighting with my family, yeah, she nodded. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I I went with a non wrestling friend who who enjoyed it quite a bit, and I totally agree with you as well. I think if anyone, I think anyone doing any kind of fact check on their their wrestling knowledge of the film it's perfectly splitting the balance between more or less how it works versus we have to condense this to a film yeah Uh, and a film for people who don't don't know in advance how it works yeah well actually you know you don't go to one tryout and go to nxt like yeah of course not but like it's a fucking movie and uh, you know for the for the purposes of it it's 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 if anything like it's actually kind of more accurate than i was kind of expecting Mm. um uh, in a lot of ways, because they could have bullshitted even further, especially because this is a, 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 a WWE Studios film with their blessing, all their logos, their, the performance center is, is is in there. You know, it's it's kind of franker and more cynical than you would you might have expected it, because they're kind of talking about you know the shallowness of the business, and you need to look this way, and and you know, and you fuck yourself, and you know Vince Vaughn's character is like you know you fuck yourself up, but don't become a star. Um, you know, essentially, it's it's. I think it split the difference pretty damn well. I thought. Yeah, I think he did the the family stuff particularly well. I mean, the WWE stuff obviously had the kind of that WWE sheen to it, but I liked the stuff he did specifically in Norwich. Some parts of it had kind of a Ken Loachy feel um, mm-hmm. that I really enjoyed. And yeah, hopefully Merchant keeps kind of working in that direction. Um, Hello, ladies, I enjoyed, but I thought it was a little too. A little too slick and not kind of playing to merchant strengths, really, as a as a creator. I mean, mm. uh, but this this one is pretty much hit the nail on the head. I think. I think. I think. Uh, I I haven't seen Hello Ladies, but I think. I think he does quaint Britishness quite well. Yeah. Um, which is evident in like all, all his stuff, which faces, including like Cemetery Junction and stuff like that. I think that's that's um his strong suit. But yeah, um, yeah. What else you got? Uh, two more movies. I watched a Studio Ghibli film, 
one of the ones I haven't seen called From Up on Poppy Hill. Uh, I didn't really enjoy it. I thought it was quite boring. And oh. um, yeah, probably one of the worst ones they've done. <laughs> of the, I think of the 17 or so I've seen, I think, yeah, I think I'd put it like at 16 or 17 on the list. Uh, oh. Big disappointment. Um, it's made by, directed by the son of Hiao Miyazaki, who's like the famous one who's done all the best ones. And yeah, it was a bit boring and the story was a bit weird and not in a kind of quaint or, you know, kooky way that those movies often are. And uh, I didn't really enjoy it. Um, and then finally, I watched a movie called The Man from Uncle, starring Arnie Hammer and Henry Cavill. And I really enjoyed that one as well. I thought it was uh, very funny. I thought it was very slick as a spy movie. Um, at, like at one point, I was thinking, "Geez, if they brought out a Bond movie like with this tone, I'd probably really enjoy it." Uh, I think what carries it is the two leading performances. They're very catty. They're very bitchy, mm. and uh, they kind of work off each other real well. Um, there's a few funny, ca- fun cameos in it as well. And uh, Alicia Vikander is great as well. And it looks great. And it's got a fantastic soundtrack. Um, There's one scene in particular, like, about halfway through, (laughs) where um, Cavill is sitting in a lorry, eating a sandwich, while Arnie Hammer is being chased around in a boat. And it just has this, like, Italian lounge music playing. And it's so great. Great, great, great. Yeah, that was really good. Shame it. I don't think it did brilliantly at the box office, which is why we haven't seen a sequel. I actually thought it was really good. Like I enjoy that a lot. Most of your kind of spy action stuff. Hmm. You know, swap that for Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> Please. Yeah, I, re- I thought it was really great. So that's all. Well, um, I've got quite a few movies to talk about, lads. Uh, strap in. Um Firstly, saw Avengers Endgame, oh, finally. Um, so as long-time listeners will know, um, not particularly a big fan of the Avengers movies. Found, how many were there? Three? This is so the fourth far. one, yeah. This is the fourth one, yeah. First three, found incredibly boring. Um, although I enjoy certain movies from the MCU, like Thor Ragnarok, uh, the, Spider- the new Spider-Man ones, uh, Iron Man few of the others i never really liked the avengers so i I went into this with you know three hours long i thought right here we go get it over with it's the biggest movie of all time you gotta watch it um actually really liked it um i liked the whole kind of direction they went in with the um uh time travel heist Uh i thought that was really kind of ingenious direction to go in uh made a change from people just flying straight into skyscrapers and concrete flying everywhere um i love time travel um and it 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 can be a bit of a cop-out like having um everything be kind of solved by time travel but the, the way they did it i thought was really smart and didn't didn't feel too kind of hokey um i liked what they did with thanos kind of getting him right off the way for most of the movie um, yeah, and I found it, it was funny. I like the fact that they concentrated on the main Avengers, um, cause there's so many characters in there now, it could have become a bit of a mess, but they really focused on the original, 
yeah. um, original Avengers cast that had really good kind of cameos for all the, the other people that popped up as well. Um, I liked the fact that they revisited the previous movies. It was a bit of a Back to the Future-esque um, revisiting of previous timelines, which, which I always enjoy. And I felt that was a, a nice bit of fan service almost as well to kind of revisit the movies that people have sort of grown up watching and, and enjoyed. So that was really good. Um, really good endings for, for Tony Stark and, and for Captain America as well. And um, the, only, the only thing that was a bit stupid was the Captain Marvel cameo. I don't know why they needed to put her in this movie. Um, I haven't seen kind of her standalone yet, but it was so silly. She turns up at the beginning, saves Tony Stark, disappears for three hours goes off to save a home planet or whatever and then just pops up at the end like why not I feel like they could have kicked off the next era of Avengers with her as like the new Tony Stark or something like that that would have been made more sense um, yeah that, that kind of weirdness aside I thought it was, it was really really good and I enjoyed enjoyed all three hours of it it's a yeah. big big thumbs up for Endgame well done well done, everyone involved. Well done, well done, lads. Take take a bow, take a bow. Um, yeah. yeah, it's good, it's good. Um, speaking of superhero, I also watched Venom uh, on Sunday. Oh, yeah. Um, ooh, this was a weird and not very good movie. Um, so I, I enjoyed like the first kind of 20 minutes or so before Venom shows up, which uh, for a movie called Venom is rather unfortunate that it's ruined by the point at which Venom's introduced. Um, <laughs> but I quite liked what um, Tom uh, Hardy did with the, just, it's just the way he played the character being a bit kind of wacky. And he was, he was just entertaining. I like that, yeah. that sort of thing. Slightly different from your usual kind of superhero guy. Um, but then the, the Venom character, they decided to make it this kind of wisecracking, like posh British guy. Who's like, the conscious conscience of Tom Hardy. And it's like, what, what is this? This is just bad. <laughs> really bad. Um, and, and the whole kind of thing of the movie as well with Riz Ahmed as the, the sort of Silicon Valley evil genius who wants to, I don't know why merge the, the symbiotes with humans and send them into space or whatever, like ugh, total shite. Um, and and Michelle Williams, you know, does her best, but as the kind of Tom Hardy love interest. But God, she doesn't have a lot to work with. Really kind of thin. And then it and it ends very suddenly as well. Um, like I, they, it's, there's a bit where it ends with Tom Hardy and Michelle Williams are just sitting on a stoop, like having a chat. And I, I clicked on play, and it there was like 20 minutes left, and I was like, that, is that it? That's the end of the movie. Um, then of course there's really long credits and a very um, odd cameo with Woody Harrelson. Um, I don't know the comic book character that he was supposed to be playing, but I'm guessing they're called Corrupt because he said the word corrupt. Was it corrupt? Carnage. 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 The word, yeah, he said the word carnage really weirdly. So I assumed that is the name of his character. That's correct. I'm correct. Okay, good. Um, yeah, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't, um, and if you enjoyed, if you enjoyed Venom fighting a slightly different colored Venom in Venom, 
that's also what Carnage is, essentially. <laughs> He's a red Venom. And, like, has is there a more embarrassing, like, 30 seconds of film put out uh, than Woody Harrelson with that haircut saying that line? <laughs> it, uh, Joe had the benefit of at least not knowing what the character was, but Everyone, you know, most of the people who who know the character, knowing who Carnage is, and know, it was so obvious that, that was going to be the second film. I was like, when I saw Woody Carlson with that stupid hair, I was like, please don't say there's going to be Carnage. Please don't say there's going to be. And then he said, "Oh, that is that post credit scene is horrendous. It is horrendous." <laughs> um, yeah. So no, no buys there. Um, I watched um, Wreck It Ralph to um, Wreck It Ralph breaks the internet. Which I quite yeah. enjoyed. I actually thought it was quite good. Um, some of the references are very... Will date incredibly quickly. Probably they've already dated, in fact. <laughs> like stuff about like the BuzzFeed quiz about Disney princesses. And uh, just, it's just a lot of kind of very specific internet references and criticisms that probably won't age very well. Um, but overall, it was quite fun. There were some funny bits. Um, I liked Disney World, the sort of website they go to. That was quite fun. Um, and the story was quite good with the the princess wanting to uh, go into the kind of Grand Theft Auto world to change things up. It was it was it was fun. It, I'd heard some bad reviews of it, and I thought it was going to be a bit crap, but I actually quite enjoyed it. So that was fun. Um, also went to the cinema uh, the weekend, saw Blinded by the Light, which is a new um, uh, new movie kind of set to the music of Bruce Springsteen. It's about mm. a kind of British Asian kid growing up in Luton, which, if you don't know, is a very kind of suburban sort of town just outside mm. London. That's a bit sort of crap. Let me guess. <laughs> no, no one's ever heard of Bruce Springsteen. No, Paul, you 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 know you're on the right lines, but no, it's it's a different tack from yesterday. Right. <clears throat> so it's set in it's set in the kind of late '80s, and this kid who's fed up of living in Luton and he's he comes from a kind of British Pakistani family and his dad's very much like you know you've got to become an accountant or an estate agent or whatever and you shouldn't be writing or listening to music and this kind of thing but he discovers Bruce Springsteen um at a time when Springsteen was incredibly naff so this was 87 and Springsteen was more you know kind of 70s early 80s mm. and so everyone thinks you know why the hell are you listening to Bruce Springsteen but he kind of really falls in love with him and the music and it kind of it's a coming of age story kind of very feel good uh, very feel good it's from the director of bend it like beckham hmm. and it's a very similar kind of movie in terms of the tone and, and the, a lot of the themes as well um so if you like bend it like beckham you'll probably enjoy this maybe not quite as good but actually the ending was very kind of emotional um and, and touches on some really kind of powerful themes about like family and and um, you know, wanting to escape that kind of humdrum town and escape your family, but actually realizing that, you know, turning your back on them is, is not, not what you should be doing. Anyway, I would give it a thumbs up. It's pretty cheesy. It's, uh, but a lot of fun as well. Uh, and finally, I got to see one of my very um, favorite movies at the cinema. It's called Goodfellas uh, on Sunday night. That's why we couldn't do a podcast on Sunday. Um, it was great. I mean, I've seen it loads of times. Obviously, it's brilliant. Um, the audience were terrible. Um, oh, no. So we were in there. 
Firstly, because it was like an old movie, they didn't show any trailers before it. I think they just showed like 10 minutes of, of like ads and stuff and then started the movie. So a lot of people kind of came in as it was starting, which is quite annoying. Um, two fellas came in with pints of lager, which I'll be honest, I don't agree with in the cinema. Like, no. this is, it's like an upmarket, it's a picture house, right? So it's quite upmarket. And they have a bar, you can get like, you know, cappuccinos, you can also buy alcohol, glass of wine, beer, stuff like that, mm. fine. But like coming into a movie with um, a pint of lager and sitting there drinking it. And not only that, got up after about an hour and went and got another couple of pints <laughs> to drink. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds he like was, an he OTT was in my show, row right? as well. So I'm there like, you know, pull, <clears throat> trying to pull my legs in so we can get past with his, you know, round of fucking Stella Artois. <laughs> And um, then about probably half an hour left in the movie, he pops out and comes back with a couple of uh, vodka lemonades to drink. <laughs> oh, well, he's escalating. He's getting I fun. know. Just need a little chaser. This was on a Sunday night as well. <laughs> it's like nine o'clock on a Sunday. You're watching Goodfellas at the cinema and you've got to get through fucking two pints and a chaser. You got to do Jaeger bombs. Unbelievable. And also, <laughs> also, also... <laughs> People, it was there was quite like a few people in there, but that, that just kept laughing at everything. And it's not, it's not a comedy. It's quite a funny movie, and you know, it's a lot of kind of one-liners and funny bits yeah. and stuff. But it's not a comedy movie. They just kept laughing at every, like, you know, really serious scenes as well. And they were just laughing, and I'm, I just went to turn around and go, "What are you fucking laughing at? What are you doing?" Really Look at that horse stage. Where's the rest of it? Oh. Yeah, just hitting someone on the head with a hammer. That, that is a different what? film, The Horse's Head, one way Whatever! <laughs> I haven't seen him. <laughs> that is The Godfather. Anyway. Goodfellas is where he goes to Joe Pesci. Right, you're going to do a bit of Goodfellas here. You go to Joe oh, Pesci. Wait, no, sorry. I, 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 yeah, I got confused with. I haven't seen Godfather, but. Uh, yeah, I've seen Goodfellas and I love it. I don't know how. Yeah, Goodfellas, I don't know where I got horse from because I was because Goodfellas actually is one of my favorites ever. I don't know where. Anyway, and the joke stands, Paul. The joke stands. Yeah, yeah, right, he right, goes right. to him. He goes to him. Yeah, if I was busting your bars, I'd think go get your shine box. Oh, oh, get your fucking shine box. And then Joe yeah. Pesci goes, motherfucker, you. Motherfucker. Joe Pesci voice. Oh, Joe Pesci is great. In this. I hope I. I, I just hope that they laughed for the whole movie and then they, they didn't laugh during the Am I a Clown team. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, gosh. Um, oh, so that's all the movies. Uh, speaking of, I, I forgot this in my movie, uh, Goff, because it's not especially memorable. I saw that new Annabelle movie. Oh, wow. Um, oh, actually, much better than that. I saw the original Conjuring movie. That was very good. Um, yeah, Conjuring's good. I, I, Conjuring 2 is quite good as well. I'm gonna I'm gonna see the second one. I'm actually intrigued to watch these these. I'm, I I've heard they are of very varying quality. First one very good. I saw that new Annabelle movie. So much like Hobbs and Shaw, I jumped forward about eight movies. Uh, but the the most recent Annabelle one, it's very standalone. It pretty. I I got the vibe that just seeing the first one was enough. But uh, all right, movie perfectly watchable. Uh, not not must see. But the audience, oh my god, they were full on stereotypical. Oh, don't go in there. Oh, don't. Oh, don't lift that up. Oh, oh my gosh. Like I, I get it. It's like they've never seen a horror movie it. before. Yeah, and it's like. Ugh. Anyway, I tell you what's funny about those movies, though, right? What? 
because you've seen them, right? Yeah. <laughs> have you noticed how they like unironically have that room from the cabin in the woods with all the cursed objects in it? <laughs> It's like that scene in the cabin in the woods. Where it's like, oh, who's going to torment them? Which cursed object are they going to p- pick up? And the Conjuring movie has that. Put, the Conjuring universe rather has that, but it's deadpan serious. And uh, spoilers: the the premise for Annabelle comes home is basically a girl goes in there and she just touches everything, and so she unleashes all variety of wacky monsters with various different backgrounds. It's a, it's a very fun horror movie in that sense because it's uh, you've got all these wacky different creatures with different gimmicks uh, around. Anyway, that was that was our longest movie guff ever. Um, I enjoyed it. Uh, I enjoyed it more. I enjoyed it almost as much as that audience enjoyed seeing Goodfellas. Um, uh, Paul, do you have an email you want to do before we do wrestle guff? I do. I do have an email. It's from uh, Will. He says, "Hi, Paul. Uh, glad to hear you're watching Avatar." He means um, the Last Airbender, not the 2009 Jim Cameron movie. Um, which I believe sequels are still coming for. That film came out a decade ago, and no one gives a shite about it in 2019. Why are they still making four sequels for it? Um, uh, I was going to say, yeah, four, exactly. Yeah, they're making loads. Uh, so he goes on, glad to hear you're watching Avatar. What kind of benders would Joe and Barry be, and why? Mm. Uh, well, aside from the obvious joke... Uh, and I, to be fair, I already restrained myself during the bent coppers talk earlier. Um, I would say Joe probably be Joe probably be uh, be an airbender, and Barry would be Barry would be an earthbender. There you go. Hell yeah! And why? Um, well, Joe's probably the lightest of us, so he'd be able to manipulate the air and that and float about and do all that mad shit that Aang could do in Avatar. And Earthbender... Uh, <laughs> I don't really know why. He just would be. Cheers, Will. Thanks, Will, for your email. Sorry I couldn't give a more uh, thoughtful answer. Uh, I'll just say... Bender, that's a funny word, isn't it? I will say, every time I watch Avatar and there's talk of benders in it, it, uh, the little (laughs) six-year-old part of my brain does go, (laughs) which is very, very, very bad of me. Mm. And when I saw this email, I did do a little chuckle as well. Oh, man. Anyway, that's my email. Thanks very much, Will. Any of you guys have emails? No. No. Okay. Uh, we have got so much wrestling to talk about. I tell you what, right? We're going to be back at the weekend, right? Let's do news at the weekend. Let's just talk. Let's talk the wrestling. We're talking pro wrestling on this show, okay. right? So we'll talk about Sasha Banks and 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 the other news. Well, let's just talk quickly about Sasha Banks, right? Just just real fast. Yeah. She came back on Raw in. Yeah. She come out. She come out, right? It's boss time. She come out, right? And she attacks Natalia. Just like immediately, like throws this wig off to reveal blue hair underneath. But does it in such a matter of fact, throwaway way that it was like, what was the point of wearing? 
wig in the first place. It wasn't even like a reveal. It wasn't until like she knocked her down and slowly reached up and you went, oh my God, her hair's blue because she's bad now. She just came out and just like, cast it off like, oh, that's a thing, oh, what I mean, a dumb I thing. mean, it's nice hair. She looks good. It looks good, but what was the point of the wig? I really don't know. It was a very sting unmasking a sting moment. <laughs> it was a little bit, yeah. And it's weird because I can understand her. Like, she hasn't had the blue hair before. It looks great. It's something, you know, she's been away for a while. So it's like, hey, I'm back. New leaf. New, you know, not really a new character. But I've turned, you know, doing the heel thing. Which, by the way, I think is so stupid. I think she's going to be such a conquering hero coming back. Um, uh, you know, To be fair, I, I think Sasha's better as a heel than a baby. That, that's, that's, that's kind of the internal... That's kind of the eternal conflict I've had with her on the main roster. I totally agree with you. But people... Especially when she's a heel, they rally around her because she's cool. Uh, but anyway, that's that's a that's a whole other thing. But yeah, I can understand you know the new look and all this stuff. But yeah, <laughs> revealing it in such a nonchalant way—it's so bizarre. It's like Becky or Natalia would have been tipped off she was a heel if she just had her purple hair. <laughs> she could have just come out with the blue hair, and people would have been like, "Oh my god, she's got blue hair." Um, yeah, and that puts that puts to bed. I mean, they were all kind of ridiculous anyway. But any rumors that she was, you know bound for elsewhere it, i don't think there was ever any actual chances of that i think she uh, you know uh i think she wanted time off and she deserved time off and she got it um, yeah. and i'm sure it did stem from creative frustrations i mean again we're not going to do any kind of in-depth here's our wwe update thing but like they took the titles off the the iconics um like a, a week or two ago what a, what a completely unremarkable reign um yeah. I, I think they're very funny. I like those skits where they freak out after they lose, but they were barely on television. They didn't have any notable defenses. They, there were several pay-per-views they weren't on. Um, so, you know, if you're Sasha Banks and you're like, I'm going to build up these women's tag titles and then they beat you and then the person they put them on, they don't even they don't even push in any kind of meaningful way. I mean, I can see why she... Yeah, I mean, they, they did a good job of really killing off any interest in those belts with their second holders. Yeah. And, and, and they they've they've put more effort into these twenty four seven. They put more effort into they, the cruiserweights than they did into that belt. Yeah, they got Oni Lorcan on that show now. He's cool. Yeah. Uh, I'm seeing Oni Lorcan in October. I'm very excited for that. Ooh. He him and Martin Stone they're going to be at the old the old WXW tag tournament. Oh, very nice. Um, which I'm which I'm excited about. Anyway, uh, so that yeah, so Sasha Banks back. She turned heel on Natalia, and Becky made the save, and then she beat the shit out of Becky as well. Uh, so Becky and Sasha is the uh, is the direction. Uh, so that's that's that. Uh, let's uh, talk. How much of the G1 did you end up watching, Paul? I watched uh, every single show, Barry. Oh baby, that's impressive. I did as well. I watched, I watched well, every I, well, single. I watched all the G one matches from yes, every show. I, I watched every single tournament match, and on the occasions I was watching live, I watched the prelims as well. And I'll tell you what, I enjoyed a lot of the prelim tags, especially. I mean, John Moxley, who we'll talk about, was so phenomenal in this in this tournament. Every every prelim tag he had, where he would do a pull apart brawl to set up his next singles match, they were always great. He did it like seven times, and it was always great. Um, yeah, so I watched the whole thing, and then I watched oh. the the finale in its entirety yesterday. Yeah, I I, I did as well. Um, so, 
I said, well, we're obviously not going to go, you know, through in any kind of massive detail. Who, who were your, who were your big standouts for the tournaments, and and also like what were your favorite matches? Uh, big standouts from the tournaments, I think. Um, well, I mean the obvious ones, you know, your your Ibushi, your your yeah. uh, Okada. I think I was more impressed with the people that I had less expectations for. Like I think that like Juice Robinson had a great tournament. I think Lance Archer had a great tournament. I think uh, Shingo really set himself apart. Lance um, Archer was such a surprise. He was fucking great. All his matches were good, apart from and, someone, and he's you know, he's been he's been around forever. And I think I think most people know you know he's always been a good big man. And it, it was funny. I was talking to someone about it. It almost feels like New Japan didn't anticipate him getting as over as he did because he came dead last in his block. Yeah. Um. So I think I think, but I think I'm sure they're gonna. I, I imagine they'll do something with him. Yeah, to God, be fair, like, actually, I actually e- even enjoyed his match with Fale. I can't I say that for too say, much yeah, other people. Good Fale match. <laughs> um, and uh, who else? Osprey, obviously, had a really good tournament. I think my favorite match might surprise some people. Maybe it won't. Maybe it'll be quite obvious. I think my favorite match of the whole tournament was Shingo against Goto from just the other Shingo night. Against- Oh, wow, that's very interesting. But that match was great. Fucking um, hell, the last 10 minutes of that match were out of this world. Good. There were... Goto Goto had some great stuff in this, and he's he's the... And Ishii, of course. Uh, and he, but Ishii, Ishii's like Mr. G1. Yeah, he was he was so great. I, I really thought Goto was, was, was super fun. And yeah, Shingo... I mean, Shingo and him just leathering the shit out of each other was so great. Um... Yeah, I think I think those are I think those are two really great great picks, and I think I think Shingo. I mean, what a year! Him and Osprey, because I watched all of uh, Best of Super Juniors as well, yeah. and they had a similar hit race in in those two tournaments. I mean, think about that as uh, having watched G One. I mean, they have had so many tremendous matches this year. Like, not just they've had matches that are so good. The volume of matches they've had that are so good has been has been really. And then the really the post G One news that Shingo has moved the heavyweight now. So we're going to get more of those really good matches, and it's 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 totally deserved because I think it was actually the Goto match where I've I've thought this about a couple of matches he had, but that was the match where like he would square up to Goto, and I'm like, it is farcical that these guys are hypothetically in a different weight class because because Shingo is more or less the same size as him and equally as barrel chested and <laughs> and and big, you know, it's yeah. um. Which is a shame because I did like I did like in the Super Juniors I liked him being the bully I liked him being the big junior which was cool yeah. but um, he was yeah I mean his stuff here was another level he was so great um, uh, we mentioned there briefly in passing Fale who, who was horrendous um, yeah I was going to go then to my disappointments of the G one um, uh, yeah you, you go ahead Fale obviously the big one and it it, it really kind of. I understand they had to have a variety of people. They had to have some juniors, some heavyweights, and yeah. then some of the big lads, right? But like all his matches were bad, and you could have had someone like Minoru Suzuki in there, or someone that was capable of having good matches, you know. Um, and, and the funny thing is, your your guys like Osprey and Ibushi, who you're like, well, these guys can. I mean, Osprey. I've had, seen Osprey have incredible matches with the most basic opponents people like in super juniors he had a match with i don't know if you've ever even heard of him doki right. who was a last minute replacement for someone who got hurt and he was he was quite bad all, all all of super juniors and then osprey just did his absolute best to drag this guy up to a great match 
I, I Fale had like the worst Will Osprey match I've probably ever seen in my life. Like it was, and it wasn't even just like disappointing on the Will Osprey scale. It was like no, th- he actually had took him down to an actually shit match. Like it was so bad. Um, uh, yeah. So I mean, you kind of expected because he's old and useless and 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 was never very good. But yeah, I was. It, it was a real momentum killer every time he was out there. Um, I would say. Uh, tai Chi took a while to grow on me. I thought I thought his last match was very good. His match with uh, Ishii. Ishi. that was kind of the Ended one where strong. where it, fi- it finally kind of clicked for me because I was just kind of impressed by him before then. Um, yeah, even Moxley was kind of up and down for me. I really liked some of his stuff, and then other times he just come out and have like a six minute match, and I mean, I, I I wouldn't like dislike it necessarily, but I definitely feel a bit dissatisfied. Um, that's that's interesting. I think I think he's he's been pretty well received. But I can see I can see what you you mean. Certainly, I think he he peaked high though, which I think was good. And he he seemed maybe it's just me. He seemed knackered by the end of it. Like he wasn't yeah. <laughs> properly prepared. He did, mention, he did mention in his Jericho interview before we knew it was the G one. He said he was going to do something that he'd never tried before right. in wrestling very soon, which I think most people assumed was this. And uh, even this was a, a more spaced out G1 than they've done in recent years, which I loved. I have never been able to keep up with the G1 ever. Yeah. I've never, I've, I've only tried a handful of times. And I always fall behind. This is the first time I watched every tournament match. And it was so easy because the spacing out made it watchable. But so you, you, you could, you always had a couple of days to catch up. But regardless, I'm sure as a wrestler, it was still a fucking nightmare. I mean, it was because, uh, you, you know, you're, it's not just the volume, but it's like, they're having all these matches, but they're at such a high level as well. You're not going out there and doing a house show match. Yeah, you know, it's like it's like you're going to go out there with Juice Robinson and have a great match with him, and then three days later you're wrestling Ishi. You know, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's it's which that's that would be not. I don't think it's my absolute favorite, but Mox and Ishi. Uh, was a, very good. I was never very thought. Good. I, I mean, looking at where he was in WWE, I never thought I would see a John Moxley match of that caliber ever again. Um. Uh, that match was just Ishii was great. I mean, Ishii was just so great. I really, I, obviously, Osprey Archer was like the first one that really wowed me as well. Early in the G one, great, great first uh, match for sure. I have, I have one here on, on subject of disappointments, right? Um, and this is, I feel like this is something I say about this guy a lot. Uh, Jeff Cobb, Jeff Cobb. Um, I agree, and I don't think it helps that he got a big fat gut. And looks like a bit of a slab. Is that too harsh to say? I don't think it's nasty, but I, I that doesn't bother me because I think it that's just that's just that's what he is. But that's I think it hampers him. Like he's it's weird watching him, right? Because he's he's got these big muscular arms and he's got like quite a muscular chest, right? And he's just got this round gut. Yeah. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm sure it it, it hampers his, you know. Uh, what's it, what's it called? Uh, his um, cardio a little bit. Oh yeah, okay. And yeah, his matches for the most part were quite boring. Uh, yeah, I say he he's he's a, a pretty handy uh, person for the for the disappointment category. Uh, somewhere in the middle, not quite a disappointment, but not great either. Uh, Naito, uh, yeah, just kind of. I thought he was had a just okay tournament until the Shingo match, which was tremendous. Yes. Uh, he strikes oh, me as someone who's super over, but his matches aren't necessarily super compelling. 
No, yeah, I I, I totally agree. Um, uh, I love his character work, but yeah, there's something about the matches. Is, he, he's never really quite gelled with me, but I, I liked... Uh, I thought his match with Mox was great, and it, it was largely the the theatrics of it as well. And that was one of the prelim tags I watched. They were fantastic in the tag match, just like Mox, just like you know, like a, like a caged dog trying to get hold of him, and he's just doing his "I'm whatever, I'm just you know, you, you're not bothering me" type thing. It was it was great. And then he, I, to his credit, he ended strong uh, with the um, with the Shingo match. Yeah. Uh, also, somewhere in the middle ish, Jay White, who I just don't really get Jay White I have also not gotten him quite a lot that's why he's just I thought he was better than I've typically thought of him and then but then towards the end of the tournament I was like alright I'm kind of over the the spot where you fall down so you don't have to take a move um, and the other I like and they they did this in the in the final with Ibushi which I think we'll talk about specifically in, 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 in a minute um, but like kick him if you're running and give him a yay and he drops down and he's Stamp falls at him. Knee him in the back of the head. That's what you were going to do anyway. Um, but I, I did I did like a lot of his stuff. I came around with him a little bit and then as the tournament went on, I was like, eh. It doesn't it doesn't help as well that kind of like Fale, he's he's doing the run-ins and the Gato stuff and the, the Kendo stick. You know what I mean? Like well he, there was there was one know? show in particular that had one after another, JY and the bullshit, Tai Chi and the bullshit. Moxley yeah. with the tables and someone else hitting people with chairs and I was like every fucking match on this show I think apart from the main I, it was one of the B-block shows I can't remember which one but apart from the yes, main event yeah. every fucking match had bullshit in it and I was like for, for a, a wrestling tournament that's so kind of sports based with a point system and so on to have like no disqualifications when there's consistent apart from one in the Osprey folly match there's consistent bullshit and there was one bit where, I think it was, who was it, Shingo maybe, had, or, or someone like that, had someone's head in a chair, was going to hit it with another chair, and gave the ref the little, like, lightest little shove, and the ref goes fucking walking off 10 feet in the other direction, for the, you know, for the, the you know, the distraction or whatever. Distraction, and I was yeah. like, that's so fucking stupid. And, this... and also, why, why did you bother doing the distraction when, yeah, the rule-breaking has been outrageous this whole tournament? And the funny thing is, they, they, they do the thing on commentary, but like, oh, the referee, they really don't want to put do a DQ. And I usually I, I usually like when commentators at least make the effort to say that. Like, okay, you know, they, they, but it was kind of pushed to its extreme in this. And I, I loved Mox being the, you know, every, you know, everyone else is wrestling all these different styles. You got your flyers, you got your brawlers. I liked Mox being the weapons guy, but yeah, by the by day twelve or thirteen or whatever the fuck, when he's pulling out the table again, you're like, all right, all right, I've seen you do the table. Plus, you peaked early with the thing where you had fucking Ishi do a splash through the table. You're not beating that, so so all all subsequent table spots aren't going to be able to uh to to follow it. And what again? It's like so they're they're throwing up their hands constantly and saying, okay, well fuck this the referee doesn't want to dq anyone so whatever but then but then the folly match has a dq with will osprey and you're like okay that's that seems a weird but at the very least you know it's they did the thing where red shoes ran in and he flipped off folly and disqualified him like almost like a payoff 
after counting then, two and then flips him off like Shane McMahon at the Survivor like Series. Shane McMahon, right? But it's like, okay, that's cute, little payoff. But then the Kota Ibushi match was worked basically identically to the Osprey match with constant run-ins right in front of the referee. And that one just played out like a regular match. And they, the referee didn't do anything and then it ended in a pin. I was like, ah, oh, And God, wh- that, why, that, why in the final... And I, I, I know this is how a lot of this piece of string and is kind of redundant, disgusting when it comes to wrestling. Uh, why in the final did the referee send everyone to the back and then send Gato to the back and not one other time during the entire tournament? Yeah, I, I, I think I think the rationale there was that Jay White said he wouldn't bring them. I think that's what they were going for because he said that in the the B at, at, on the B block show. Yeah, the attack. Out yeah, but but I I, I, still, I still agree with you, and it's I think I think that's also kind of the problem. For as for the high highs of a tournament like this, where it's like, okay, you and I, we have we have now watched five weeks of wrestling. It was generally of an incredibly high standard, and it was awesome. And I'm I do not regret it. I'm so glad I watched. And I it I, I think but, not only that, but I think it was it was a great like G one for a, a new watcher, someone who's not kind of big into New Japan or familiar with too much with their stuff. In the sense yeah. of you had, as you said, this show's kind of spread out. You had enough recognizable people like, you know, Moxley, Moxley, Moxley and Kenta and stuff like that. And yeah. And uh, the match yeah, I, generally I, I, good. Yeah, I totally agree. It was, it, was a, it was a really great roster on paper. But yeah, the, the, when you watch all that much wrestling from one company in quick succession, I think just just by the nature of wrestling you're going to notice those tropes of it much like oh why is this a dq and why is that oh i thought it was so cool after five days when moxie kept doing the table but now on day 10 i'm kind of sick of it that's going to happen i think yeah. that's just going to happen I think that's uh, uh so i'm trying to think about some other those are kind of the negative i'm trying to think of the other highlights standout matches uh osprey versus tanahashi yeah. oh my god hopping and lepping out of my seat i was the hook kick that match. the hook kick specifically the hook kicks. So they're having this great match. This like gen- and this is like we didn't really talk about Tanahashi. He was I thought he was consistently good throughout the tournament. I didn't think he was um I wouldn't say he was a highlight, but he was consistently, you know, Tanahashi having having really solid matches. I think I think the perfect example of, of what his tournament was was when he did the Okada match on that first night, where it was like not a legendary Okada match, but they did the hits. It was great. His selling was great. It wasn't the most memorable thing ever, but it was really good. That was Tanahashi in general. And then to cap it off with this Osprey match, this was like a legitimate, like a star making match, I thought. Um, and yeah, I think that hook kick might be my, like my, my spot of the year. Uh, <laughs> it did look just, right. Just Tanahashi doing his, you know, pumping his fist, pumping his chest out, giving the, 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 the yell and Osprey just kicking him in the gob was just so, so great. Um, uh, yeah, so that that match, and I'm trying, I feel like there was another um, Tanahashi match that I am I am forgetting. Uh, fuck. Oh, this is another person I, I wanted to mention along with Jay White and Naito somewhere in the middle. Uh, Kenta. No, I think I rate higher higher than that. Like... Really? Oh, you're the high man on Kenta. I'm interested yeah. in this. I I I thought the Ibushi match was good but ropey, and then I thought pretty much everything after that was. He got incrementally better, and I, I was generally pretty high on him, but I, I, was, I, didn't, I didn't have him in that elite tier of you know, Ishii and Shingo, but I, 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 I generally liked him. What, what, what did you make of him? Yeah, I, th- I think I enjoyed all of his matches. Um, I think he's got a good presence about him. And uh, 
yeah, he as someone who was kind of and, and they, they kind of use this a lot as someone who was kind of so low in, towards the end of his WWE run, he's really kind of not reinvented himself but rebuilt himself. And uh, yeah, to me, in my eyes, he was up there with the Tanahashi level. Let's say. Wow, that's, that's cool. That's interesting. I I, I liked. Uh, that he and obviously this paid off in the final. I like that he leaned into his dickishness. Yeah. Um. And you know he you know, like they 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 I don't want to say they burned them because they can definitely revisit them and they're not they're not burned in that sense. But they did a lot of big matches for a guy like Kenta. This this you know big a big Japanese star but an outsider like a you know a guy who was big elsewhere yeah. and he faced Tanahashi and he faced Okada. I mean those are the two biggest ones right there. Um, and just his little things kicking Tanahashi in the head after you know they were doing some grappling and uh, another one of my favorite individual spots of the tournament Okada going to throw that strike and Kenta just slapping him just ca- ca- catching him on like a counter swing slap and Okada selling it like he was concussed uh, was was really fantastic and then yeah we had the big culmination I suppose now would be as good a time as any to talk about the uh, the actual final night and the big apart from the actual final itself the big the big angle from the final show the Shibata uh, angle the Shibata return so uh, Kenta joined Bullet Club uh, which kind of seemed kind of lame but you'd free, to be fair I, I, you kind of think oh that's a bit weird you know even though it's not a big part of his character Jay White is in Bullet Club it's still an act they push you know um, so, so Kenton joined that. Uh, that seemed like, like I mentioned there about him leaning into the heel stuff. That seemed logical, I think, based on the rest of his tournament and his reactions. Yeah. Um, and then, so he doing that, and so he gives he gives Ishii a GTS after this tag match. And he's laying people out. He's being a dick. And who comes to to intervene? But his his close personal friend, the man who brought him to New Japan, uh, uh, Katsuri Shibata. Obviously, still on indefinite hiatus from. Hasn't had a match in two and a half years. Two and a half years legitimately like life-threatening injury career-threatening vision-threatening like the guy super serious injury and has and not only that but hasn't done anything physical in the ring since then he's done he's had cameos for he's come back and said hey you know i'm i'm still here and he's been he's been something of a of a faux managerial figure for kenta not not in a massive way but he's appeared watching kenta's matches comes out and starts laying into Kenta and this crowd in the in, in the Budokan. Oh my fucking! The God. usually reserved I, Japanese crowd are going fucking mental. They were. This was like one of the best crowd reactions to an angle in God knows how long. I think Meltzer did call it one of the best angles in years anywhere, which I would kind of agree with. Um, and he, he's he's lay, he's just tearing into Kent in the corner, and Gorillas are they're coming in, they're putting him off, and he's just throwing an elbow like the coolest motherfucker in the world. And they're all taking they're taking crazy uh, Hogan and TNA bumps. <laughs> I was I was gonna say exactly bumps. bumps the people took for Hogan and TNA, but but way cooler because it's badass. So it works. <laughs> Uh, and then he goes, and then he goes corner to corner, and he does the hesitation drop kick, and it was the greatest thing. It was the great. Uh, let me disconnect my microphone there in, in excitement because Shibata's back. Um, and so then uh, you get, but you get, you get also the classic new, the new Japan zoom in on his stoic face. So good, so good. Oh, just fantastic. But then he is, of course, overwhelmed by the numbers game. 
uh, and and laid out. And he, uh, so so his status as an active wrestler is still very much up in the air. Meltzer is saying that he is still of the belief he won't have a match. Uh, that sounds to me like perhaps he's been you know fed that story by people who want to protect the. Uh, the actual, the actual truth. I don't think, right? So they did an angle where basically he got laid out by Bullet Club and Kenta... He took a go to sleep. Like. He, he, he took a go to sleep. Kenta did the Shibata pose on his chest. But also, like, he took, like, a PK and stuff. Like, yeah. these are... Now, maybe the standards in, in, in Japan are different to, say, what WWE would allow. Because WWE, you're either cleared to do a match or you're not cleared <laughs> this to do a This is the same, the same weekend you have Edge doing a spear, to be fair. That's true. That's fair. That's fair enough, I guess. But but you know I if they're not com- if they're not confident in him doing uh, a match I can understand saying okay well he can do a corner drop kick fair enough I don't think they're saying you can't do a match but go out and take a GTS and a penalty kick <laughs> uh, I, I I don't it's very very weird again the the, the uh, his case has has always been very very unusual it's not like it's a super common injury that lots of people in wrestling have it's a very uh, unique case a brain injury. Uh, a brain injury and and this could just be a case of um he can't do a match he can he can take a couple of bumps and so what we'll do is we'll build up a heel um at his expense um, but regard you know what regardless of whether or not they do another match tremendous angle um yeah. and i will uh, uh, having already been enjoying kenta's stuff this is a um uh, this is a, a great bit of steam for him as well yeah I enjoyed it thoroughly. Uh, so the final uh, of the uh, the G1, I, I will say as well at this point as we get into the final, I was so impressed. I've always kind of heard about it from like reading reviews and podcasts and, and following along when I was too lazy to actually watch. Um, the, the intricacies of the, of the G1 booking, uh, making sure you have compelling main events on every show, Mm. Uh, having having arcs where certain guys like Jay White start like on losing streaks and then they mount comebacks, having guys start hot and then trail off at the end so that they're just surviving on points, really really genuinely uh, compelling stuff. And it did come down on on uh, the A block. It boiled down to Ibushi and Okada having a match where if Ibushi won he would just tie Okada on points, but they have a rule where if you have a tie with someone and you beat them in your one-on-one match that you win. So Obushi won by like the sliver, the, a sliver of a margin by basically having a tiebreaker over Okada, uh, which was so, which again was so, so well planned out. And um, uh, the B block had like a four-way tie going into the final light. And it was basically, it had to be uh, Moxley and Goto had to lose which they did, and that led to White and Ibushi, no, not White and Ibushi, White and Naito being basically a winner-take-all final. Mm. So just, just really, really well played. I mean, you can kind of watch these things in just isolation of just, here is a month of great wrestling, and that's fine, uh, but you can also enjoy them as just very well laid out um, uh, uh, storylines. So uh, the, uh, the final came down to White and Ibushi, what did you think of this match? I kind of want to rewatch it. I watched it live. It was very, very early. It didn't sit right with me. I thought it um, was I... very good. Okay, I, I, so I, I want to. Re- I've seen people sing its praises, talk, talk about it at a match of the year level. I didn't quite no, see that. I don't think. Uh, I, I don't think. I don't think it was excellent. I don't think it was. I don't even know if that was great. It was very good. 
give it like a uh, give it like an, an eight. That's fair. That's a good rating. Nothing wrong, with, nothing wrong with an eight. That's out of ten, by the way. Uh, he's, not, he's not going eight stars. Ooh. Um, <laughs> by the way, if you're, if you're the type of person who cares about observer stars, the, the, this tournament had several over fives already. Um, I don't know that there was that many that I felt were in that range. Because that's uh, one no, thing. That's one thing I was going to say yeah. about. Sorry, I, I missed what I was talking about. It being like a good, uh, like initiation G one for people new to New Japan, is that while none of the matches, aside from maybe a handful like the the ones we discussed, were like that great, there was also not that many that were poor. Like the standard was relatively high. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, for sure. That it was it was a more well rounded G one, whereas the highs and lows maybe weren't as high or as low as they tend to be. It was more more well rounded. I, 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 there was maybe yeah, maybe three or something that while I was watching it going, just just maybe a five star here, but not that many. Uh, I would say the same. Yeah, I thought the standard was generally high, but only a, only a couple. I, I could probably even name them. I'd say probably Tanahashi, Osprey, Shingo, Naito, um, Osprey, Okada. I think those were the three where I was like, oh god, that might be sniffing around. Um, mm. but I, I don't think I went it on any of them. Um, yeah, and Abushi wins, um, and he is your he's your G one winner. Uh, I think they had a press conference today where they announced the London New Japan show yeah, lineup, which looked pretty that. good. Um, Ooh, what's this? <laughs> it, you see it on F four W homepage. Uh, it is it is uh, Okada versus Minoru Suzuki. Ooh. It is it is. Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Mr. Zack Sabre Jr. Ooh. And, and oh, there's, there was so much stuff in this G1 that it is extremely hard to recap it in one like half hour segment. Uh, Zack Sabre, fantastic G1, really entertaining, great matches, great promos, um, uh, uh, really top notch stuff. So he, uh, yeah, Tanahashi beat him, yeah, at one point to set up the uh, this match. So there's your your British Championship match. Um, on that show, uh, what else are you getting? Um, Ishii against Kenta for the Netherlands. Oh, oh, there's a match. There's a oh. match. That'll be good. That'll be the business. Good. My um, um, tickets came through on Saturday. Ooh. Sounds like a bloody yeah. good show. Yes, what's to that? Uh, also appearing, of course, Osprey, Ibushi, Juice Robinson. Ishimori, Jay White, Sonata, Naito, Shota Umino. <laughs> uh, I love him. Yeah. Looks like it looks like a, a very good card. That'd be a good show. Sure. I'll watch it on the old undermand. Yeah, I'll be uh, yeah. I'll be there in my fuck um, Johnny Wrestling t-shirt. Oh, hell yeah. hello. Great. Uh, take over then. Yeah. Uh, so I think we kind of got our our general sentiments about the main event uh, out there early. So let's just leave it at that. We might as well. Um, obviously, my opinion is uh, well documented. But in in all seriousness, messing aside, I I did I hated it. I genuinely did not like it at all. Um, and I 
I thought in their last couple of matches they were doing too much, but I still was like, yeah, but they're still doing some cool stuff. And the crowd, like the last match had some of the best reactions ever in a WWE event, I'm fairly sure. Um, So I was like, I can't say this is anything less than great, even though I have my bugbears about it. Uh, This one, I was like, I hate most of this. And that was before they did the dueling kendo stick spot in the cage where they were trading super kicks and then they were trading kendo stick shots and then the and then they weren't selling any of it and then it ended with them double super kicking each other and I was like, this is I'm turning into an old man. This is fake, stupid indie shit. Um Why is I, the G one not on right now? I yeah, I mean I hate to be I hate to be that guy, but I was like, this is so not at the level of, of what I want to be watching. And also like like there was there was just so many like booking things that were kind of cringy. Uh, like Gargano getting himself disqualified um, completely needlessly in the first fall. Like you can do that kind of thing in a, in a multi-fall match, but I usually hate it. Well, I I uh, liked it in. I'm gonna call back here to the old Judgment Day 2000 here. I liked it yeah. in that match where Triple H uses a chair on the Rock, gets disqualified, and then pins the Rock immediately, nullifying the disqualification. And now the Rock is all hurt and bleeding because he got hit with a chair. And Triple H is like, "Ha I have the advantage." Here, Gargano lost the fall, but like he he then didn't get a pin or anything. <laughs> like it just led the matches continued. So I was like, well, why do you get him with the chair? So yeah, because and that's the other thing as well. It was long. It was so long. Uh, Fifty one like, minutes. Because like that that first the first fall kind of annoyed. I felt like okay, they're already doing too much because twenty minutes into the match. Uh, Cole brought a chair in the ref took the chair out of the ring and while he was distracted he hit Gargano with a low blow and Gargano did a 2.99999 kick out I was like oh my god you wankers it's the first fall fucking take a pin what do you take you're a su- pin you're supposed to lose to him body slam in this kind of match yeah that's I'd hate to see you two in a Survivor Series match it would go 10 hours um, but uh, yeah so they were already doing that and then the, and then so second fall was alright I thought you know they 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 did whatever and but then the third fall and again this is so not my kind of complaint generally but the third fall they were just doing all this contrived bollocks where like they um gargano does a reverse rana uh, which is an overdone thing anyway and cole's like on his feet wobbling dazed and he falls into a chair where he's sitting for the next spot you know do you know what i mean like that kind of Hmm. That kind of just completely fake stuff. And uh, a spot I've always hated Cole did where he does a, the Panama Sunrise where he jumps from a slightly higher position. The second um, rope, to then, to then do a Canadian Destroyer. Yeah. Um, oh, it, it, man, it was so... It was like... There were so many things like that that were stupid and there was so much of it. Like, it kept going and going and going. Um, there was the uh, Triple H's sons looking at the Sledgehammer spot, which was... <laughs> one of the most unintentionally hilarious pieces of shit I've ever seen in a, in a wrestling ring. Mm-hmm. Um, just, yeah. I, I sincerely did not like it at all. I, I, I think on the, old, on the old Grapple app, I did go two stars just because they did some stuff that I thought was clever and innovative and they did kick the shit out of each other and did a, lots of moronic stuff in the sense of risky you know, like I don't want to say they didn't go out and try. The problem was almost that they tried too hard but it was like, if if it wasn't such a a dangerous match, and if it, the crowd were still kind of with them for most of it, it wasn't a patch on the last match. But if the crowd weren't with them as much as they were, I think I would have gone even lower. I just I just didn't like it at all. Yeah. Um, 
I think this is a problem I had generally with the show. Uh, I'll get this out of the way first and foremost. I think it was probably the worst takeover I've ever watched. From start I think to finish. so. Um, it just completely washed over me. Um, the main event was very... I mean, to use uh, uh, an expression used for Hobson Shaw, was very like kind of those mid-tier Marvel movies where it was like it was bloated... It had action that, you know, for intents and purposes was, like, good, but just, I was just completely nonplussed by it. And then, I, I the finish, I, you know, to harken back to, like, John Cena and Seamus, the finish was they fell. It wasn't like one of them, you know, beat their opponent so badly and finally got the finish and got the, got the hard-fought win. Uh, they fell off the top of the cage through a table and one of their arms went on the other one. And after an hour of a match, that's not a satisfying conclusion. Um, I get I get it that, you know, Cole's the heel. He got the kind of fluky win. But when you're asking for someone to commit an hour to a match and the finish is kind of a bullshitty finish like that... Um, after a match that I had already just kind of, as I said, completely washed over me and that I wasn't emotionally into at all, it really left a bad taste. Um, I don't. I didn't mind a lot, like the stuff that you were talking about, but there, Barry, the the contrive, you know, moves and that. I I really didn't have a problem with. I just found the entire thing like a chore. I just found it really, really dull. Um, even the weapon stuff, which is typically like the easy pop you know there was nothing to any of it it was all just very procedural <laughs> and very functional these get the table out set up in the corner well i know they're going to go up there eventually and like there was no excitement to any of it nothing was spontaneous or you know out of left field it all just very, felt very by the numbers even though the spots were dangerous and the destroyers were exciting the match itself was just very bleh and very long, you know. I think bloated is the word I would use for a long, a long match isn't necessarily a good match. Like, like a Marvel movie, this could have been cut by a good twenty-five minutes. You know, <laughs> like if we had got a thirty-minute match, that would have been fine. It like it didn't need to be fifty-one minutes. Um, and yeah, I mean, like I said, even the rest of the show, I'm sure we'll touch on very quickly the other matches. But I mean, the only match I really enjoyed was um. Io Shirai against uh, Gargano's wife. What's her name? Candice LeRae. Candice. Sorry. No, I, I couldn't remember her name. <laughs> um, that was like the one match that I enjoyed. And I think Io, Io Shirai, what she's done as a heel, is like great. She's completely reinvented herself. She's brilliant. Uh, the Street Profits are not good. Let me just say that. They're like... What? Wow. At the wrestling. Especially Angelo Dawkins. Wow. Angelo Dawkins is a dud. I'm sorry to say. I can't uh, believe these, these are hot takes. I, I com- don't agree a with complete, them at all. A complete, a complete dud, Barry. Um, what? How is he? Well, this is outrageous. I think uh, I, he's trying hard. You fuck. I think Montez Ford is is fairly good. Uh, Angelo Dawkins completely doesn't. He can't do anything. Nothing he does is good. Um, even the stir in the pot thing he does when he comes out. Uh, the woman's title match. Might have been. It was so unmemorable, 
it might as well have been a dream I had because I'm not sure that it actually happened. Um, yeah, I, I, I like, I'm a big Shayna fan, but yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm on an island. I still like it, but I, I don't know. I totally understand why everyone's fed it, up. It didn't help that Mia Yim acted like a heel throughout in front of a completely dead crowd. That was so stupid. That was so. I know. I know what they were going for because it's like, oh, Shayna's getting her comeuppance. But nobody. But you should have had Shayna cheat at least once. You know, in the match because she. I don't, I don't think did she. I don't think she did anything in the actual match that was wrong. It was just the idea that she was getting comeuppance for the last two years. But I think that fell on deaf ears with that audience. Mm. And then even the like Velveteen Dream, Pete Dunne, Roddy Strong match, which I had high hopes for, just was. Eh. Alright. Yeah, I agree. That one was that one was <laughs> okay. Yeah. Good good forgettable pay per view match. You know? So a shame. Because those those takeover shows are usually so good, but um This is kind of the first one that uh, it just it just didn't work. It just didn't work work at all. Well, uh, yeah, and I, I don't really have many much to add before, but those early card matches, um, I think I think you're, you're spot on. Except your your street profits stake. Yeah, apart from that, but I, I, I think I think they're fun. I think they got good charisma. Um, but like we're so used to this the streak of tag team champions we've had in NXT from undisputed era. Um, you know, go harking back revival, American Alpha, Authors of Pain. Like such great matches for such a long time, uh, War Raiders. Uh, this is like the first team that just aren't that good, um, and that's a big letdown, you know, because I'm used to getting really good tag matches, especially really great tag openers on these pay per views. And like I say, I think Street Profits just aren't that good, and I think Angelo Dawkins is is. <laughs> I think he was the bad luck folly of this show. Oh my, that is outrageous. I, mean, I would like to go, these are not the views of the Chair Shot podcast. They are absolutely not. I'll just say, Angelo, if you're going to tweet me, just you know, save it. Don't, don't, don't bother. <laughs> I don't want your one fan chasing me down. Oh, oh God. That's a terrible thing to say about Montez Ford. No, he's the good one. <laughs> Wait, I get it. <laughs> Nice, yeah. You're saying he's bad. You can't even pick up on a bit. You call yourself a podcaster. Oh, don't worry. That'll be edited out if I remember to do it. Because I'm not also not a good producer. <laughs> All righty. That is going to wrap up the TakeOver talk. So, whomst has watched any of SummerSlam? I have watched three things from SummerSlam. I watched Dolph Ziggler and Goldberg. Right. Which might have been, been my favorite thing on it. Um, I watched The Fiend versus uh, Finn Balor, and I watched Rollins versus Lesnar. Who who else has watched any of SummerSlam, and what did you watch? I don't think... Here's another hot take for you. I don't know if I'm going to watch WrestleMania next year. Oh, Paul, don't be stupid. I, I've gone that far in terms of not caring. Um. Yeah, I don't know that. I you you would have really have to pay me to watch something. I can totally see that on the basis of the fact that 
I like I am struggling right now to remember what even happened at this past year's WrestleMania. Lad, I'm I'm a G I'm a New Japan snob now. I ain't watching well, SummerSlam. It's, it's easy it, it's easier to do the, to be that and that kind of fan now that there's actually a million other things you can do, right? By the time next year's WrestleMania rolls around, right? AEW will be well underway. Even if AEW goes tits up, it's not going to be gone by next year. It's going to be around. So so we'll be watching AEW, right? We'll presumably still be watching the old New Japan, right? Even if it's only sporadically. I mean, I don't know if I'm going to watch every single show, but I will absolutely be keeping my subscription. I'll probably uh, watch every show that has English commentary, to be fair. Uh, that's basically all of them now. So so you're yeah. you're good there. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so th- there's that. We've got OTT on our own shores. You have the odd right? takeover yeah. when they're good. As usual. The odd take. I mean, who who really needs more wrestling than that? And the other thing is, if you decide, like, okay, I, I had my OTT this month, and that was good. Oh, I watched my, 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 my New Japan's. I got to see my Okada match. That was good. I, I'll, I'll watch a bit more wrestling. They don't offer you a bit more wrestling because their shows are so long. You know that you know you can't. They don't really have a drop-in factor like that. Um, you know, so I, I believe you. Um, I don't. I, I'm not saying I 100% convinced you'll stick to it, but I believe you when you say it now. Yeah. Because it, like Royal Rumble, fair enough, has the. I hate to call it a freak show attraction, but it has the the attraction of the unknown and the surprise. You know. Who's going to be in the Royal Rumble this year? Is it going to be is it going to be a cameo from an old a legend that we haven't seen in a while, or is it going to be someone debut? And then, but WrestleMania is just uh, as you said. What happened on this year's WrestleMania was it was Rollins Lesnar main event, which they just did again at SummerSlam. What else happened on it? Was Undertaker was on WrestleMania? Yeah. No, Undertaker wasn't Becky on WrestleMania. Match, oh, Becky was the main event. Jesus I Christ! I forgot yeah. about that. A, a flop. Uh, anyway so but to answer my question what did you watch from SummerSlam fuck all okay fair enough Joe did you watch anything no I think I saw a gif of Goldberg doing a spear okay well well, well Goldberg Goldberg doing the spear was good okay. um, and it helps it helps that he's in there with a guy that no one's gonna feel bad he was, um, he was in there with JY oh I mean uh, Dolph Ziggler sorry oh wow 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 the, top, the takes from Paul this week are so goddamn spicy. Um, anyway, I uh, I don't think anyone would grouse about Goldberg doing the Goldberg routine at, at Dolph's expense, so that was fine. Uh, the Bray Wyatt thing, the entrance is cool, and then the match was so fucking stupid. Um, uh, I mean, it was only like a couple of minutes. It's not like it was. It was not like it was WrestleMania with the worms on the ring, but it, the the melodramatics of him looking at his hands, which have heal and hurt written on them. Um, it's so stupid. It's so like dumb thing. That's not only dumb. It's also like pretentious. Like like th- there's they're sort of gesturing like there's more under the surface that's really not there. I I did not did not care for it at all. Uh, and then the main event was actually very good. I thought uh, Seth Rollins and Brock Lesnar had. They basically just had a good Brock Lesnar match. That's 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 the short version of what it was. Wasn't that the fancy? Didn't reinvent the wheel. It won't shock you, but they did a Brock match and it was very good. And Rollins was very good in it to his credit. Um, and Rollins won. Uh, that's really it. I and even though that match was very good, I would I'd recommend people watch it. But if you're if you're staunchly about I can't be arsed watching WWE, I will not. I'm not going to tell you to go out of your way to that level uh, to watch it. 
Um, I, I have yeah. one positive hot take this uh, this week, after all my negativity. One. I quite like the new presentation of Bray Wyatt. Yeah, it's okay. I quite like it. Because I think he had really uh, been run into the ground. <laughs> really badly. And with the mask and everything, it's kind of new, it's fresh. I, I didn't see the bit with the hands, so I can't really comment on that. But with the, I saw the like the new lantern he has. I heard the new music he has, you know, the version of the old one. Yeah, I think I think it's I think it's a good repackaging. Thumbs up. Yeah, uh, the 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 in ring stuff is still kind of what it always was though, which is they they lean too much into the character and they do too much uh, theatrics. But it's you know, in general about the presentation, it's it's much better. Um, I think that's going to do it for this bumper edition of the Chair Shop Podcast. I think we made up for the fact that we've been away for ages. We reviewed God knows how many films. I lost count in there. 16, I think think it was. And I think that's the most wrestling guff we've done in years. Um, uh, So so you can enjoy that, listeners. Uh, Maybe we'll be back doing another show on Sunday. Who the fuck knows? Um, uh, We'll talk about the, the wild and wacky uh, world of wrestling we actually should try and do a show uh on sunday because i mean there was too much you know, major league wrestling news this week but we got there was a bunch of ott announcements lately paul that we haven't had a chance to chat about mm-hmm. next week will be the last show before cork i don't know you're not going to cork are you no no i'll be i'll be going to cork we make we might chat about that uh next week is trinity brawl as well i might have a report on that i don't there's nothing announced for it but i'll be going to it um yeah, so we'll, we we might squeeze in some Irish wrestling talk next week if we have le- you know we we're not going to have uh, what was the uh, the cumulative G one time we watched about like you know a hundred hours of wrestling, um, uh, so so anyway we we'll be back next week with uh, more of the usual fun and games we'll be back with the uh, the emails the golfs TV golf and all that other stuff and, and whatever whatever wrestling golf occurs so uh, until then it's going to be goodbye for me Barry Murphy. It's going to be goodbye from Joe Tower. Goodbye. And it's going to be goodbye. Mr. Paul Griffin. Goodbye. Goodbye.